What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to T3G. This is the Tangents Podcast, and this is a little bit different of an intro that you than you are normally used to because, uh, well, this one started in the middle of a sentence, basically. I was lucky enough to get a fantastic guest on, Jibba Mole Anderson, and I'm probably screwing that up, but I think that's how you pronounce his middle name. I didn't check with him. I could have. I had him on for three hours, and uh, that's what's going to be coming up here. Like I said, we were going to talk about one subject in particular. Uh, we do get to it eventually, but we started talking about other stuff, and honestly, I was just kind of like, hey, this is a great conversation, and I'm just going to start recording. So here we go. Like I said, it's in the middle of a sentence, but I think it uh, you can catch up pretty quick as to what we're talking about. Enjoy. And, and um, honestly, you know, this pandemic has also gone to show how stupid systemic racism is. Oh my God. Just how dumb it is. Because in all honesty, if we really want to break it down, the reason why the United States is in the place that it's in right now with this pandemic is because of of systemic racism. And it's, it's simply, I'm going to break it down to you. Please do. Uh, Yeah. I'm very intrigued. This is, this is how systemic racism and white supremacy messed up the United States. And it breaks down simply to this. Our previous president, who was a black man, had a plan written out for just such an emergency. Right, right, because of the, the Ebola scare. President, the current president, who's a petty, bitter-ass white man, threw that out the window because yep. the black man wrote it. Yep. There it is. <laughs> One plus there it is. There it is. You're right. Simple and plain. That's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent. That never made sense to me. I remember. I remember when he fired them, and everyone was like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like, like we've dealt with we've dealt with these scares for like several years now. Like, why would you fire this group of people?" But he was like, "Oh, blah blah blah. We don't need them. No big deal." And now because, it's a big fucking deal. Because he's petty, right? You know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> because because I remember when we like we had we had the West now that was a pretty big scare. I mean that was a pretty big deal for a long time. Then the the mm-hmm. Zika virus. Then we had then the Ebola scare, which is why that whole team was put together, and it got right. shut. They took care of that shit because I remember people were afraid right. of Ebola. That was a and, terrifying and idea. Right, and what's fascinating is that as Scared as people were about West Nile, about Zika, about Ebola, you know what I mean? About swine flu. Yeah. About the bird flu. Yeah. You, 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 you know what I mean? These things. Um, there was that there was that thing in place, which is completely gone right now. Yep. Right? Like, what is it? What is it? Um, definitely Trump has killed more people than the Vietnam War has. Oh, shit. That's a, that's a, that's a big fact. Wow. Stateside. Wow. You know what I mean? That's like Trump. Trump has done more damage to this country that more than, than Al Qaeda or the Taliban could ever do. Trump has, um, like, like the, the reason why the United States has been, economically on top for as long as it has been is because uh, the United States has had the benefit of not having any one of those major conflicts come on this country's soil. That's just straight up facts. Right. Right. 
like World War One, and nobody came on here. So, yeah, on no, no one's coming to mess with us. World War Two, the biggest and only attack on U.S. soil was Pearl Harbor. Right. That's it. You know what I mean? Then, then the United States was not touched again um, by the global stage until uh, 9-11. Right? And even, you know, you take all of those into account, all those conflicts from foreign um, entities into account. On U.S. soil, the casualties had been negligible. Right. Compared to what happened to the rest of the world. Right now, we are dealing with, yes, uh, our own worst enemy is ourselves. And uh, our own worst enemy right now in this country is the president. Yeah. You know, like Iran doesn't have to do anything. Iraq didn't have to do shit. Afghanistan, you know, um, Russia, all they're doing is like, if in all honesty, all they're doing is poking the bear. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, people want to talk about, uh, you know, people with their conspiracy theories and so on and so forth. I think conspiracy theories are the fanfic of the, um, those who surrendered, (laughs) you know, uh, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Um, there are some, there are there are conspiracies about. I mean, there are open of conspiracies. Of course, about. we we know. As a matter of fact, we know about the conspiracies. That, right. That, I mean, hell, the, the, the Pentagon just admitted to having. Well, how do they phrase it? Interplanetary vehicles not built on this Earth. They just came out and said that shit, and it's like, all right, cool. That's that's interesting. Can we get I mean, a little more detail on that? Like, what the hell? Right, right, but you know, with you know, people talk about oh, Soros and and five G, five G, and oh my and, god, and, that and, shit was I mean, so like... I remember when that shit first popped off, and there were like videos of people in in the UK like tearing down five G towers. I was like, first of all, you motherfuckers don't even understand how expensive that shit is to put up. <laughs> like, like, and all you're doing is setting back somebody from being like successful. Like, god damn it. 5G. And then on top of that, it's like tear it out of the tower. Do you realize the person that built that tower has enough money to build another one? Um, number one. <laughs> yeah. Number two, um, you know, that conspiracy does not fly because of the fact that um, they make money off of people using that service. So why would why they? Would, yeah, why would they put something out that would hurt people <laughs> and kill people? And three, viruses just don't work that way. I yeah. mean, like a computer virus. <laughs> <laughs> can can affect right. machinery right stuff like that but we're you know we're not quite there where you can transmit a computer virus to a human body right you know like a biological weapon i mean and and i you know i my business is fiction right <laughs> you, you know right saying? we've come <laughs> up with some shit and that's a little far-fetched <laughs> i mean you, you know what i'm saying <laughs> It's like... that's, that right there, that's a great point. That's an incredible point. People who write fiction are the ones that are like, eh, I don't believe that. I couldn't even come up with that. <laughs> I, I mean, because, you know, the that's, that's the thing. Like, the fiction writers are also, you know, in a lot of ways, we're futurists, yeah. right? In a lot of ways, oh, yeah. we, 
you know, we see the writing on the wall. And if we're really good about it, you know, we extrapolate um, what's happening in the world currently. And we just bring that to the fore, right? We just push it forward. We push it towards its, you know, logical conclusion. And uh, that's that's where we live. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's where some of us live in that space, right? So it's like, you know, for example, when 9-11 happened, you know, when I saw that uh, that tragedy, what am I? One of the things that I thought, first of all, I was like, "Wow, that's a brilliant, that was a brilliant supervillain move right there." You know, and what's interesting about that brilliant supervillain move is that it was low tech, yeah, and low budget, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, low tech, and- low budget, and impossible to actually trace like you can't um you can't get the person that did it right you only have the the command structure to to consider and right right. that's i you know i am not a big i I really am not a big conspiracy theorist um 9-11 is the only time in reality and the only time where i've looked at some shit and i'm like that is a lot of fucking coincidences that is just a lot like you know, I always say, like, if, if I believe the entire story as it was presented, you know, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of inconsistencies with how shit was, re- you know, reported. And there, there's a there's just a lot of, you know, building seven. Right. And I don't, like that. I don't know if that was supposed to fall the brand new insurance contract. Like, you know, when when when, when a white when, when a wife dies with a brand new insurance policy, they look at the husband. You know, they don't look at. The- <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's it's, it's mm. a lot of cons- like that insurance out forty eight yeah. hours earlier. Yeah, that's- yeah, mm. <laughs> that's all. You know, there was just like a lot of conspiracies. There's- Playboy with your plan too. I mean, that's kind of like a little. You know, you kind of jumping the gun there, homeboy. I mean, at least wait. Like, right, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's got. Yeah, <laughs> that's always that's always <laughs> the funniest part in the movies is like. Because like, they always do that shit like on uh, on on uh, like SVU, you know, like oh, she, mm-hmm. yeah, what, like you you just took out a recent policy on her, and he's like, uh, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about, like <laughs> you know, and, and see again, again, talk about fiction. Um, they they are basing those cases off of facts because I yeah. watch realities like Fatal Attraction on TV. One, human beings are just that goofy. You know what oh I mean? God, like yeah, like they're just. Which leads me into the whole um, thing about conspiracy theories and about how I feel like they're the fanfic of the defeated. Because if you look at the people that they say are so brilliant, you know, with these theories, they're idiots. They're fucking idiots. Like, like real, like real talk, real talk. Um, The majority of the rich, especially the inherited rich, are fucking useless idiots. It's very true. They're not brilliant. They're not brilliant madmen. They are like lethargic human beings who are still trying to prove that they're worthy human beings because they've had everything handed to them. Yeah. And because they don't know the the struggle or the satisfaction of achievement from struggle. You see what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And yeah, and so 
it's like, you know, people are like, oh, is this commission, is that commission, blah, blah, blah. Like, this ain't Hobbs and Shaw. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right, and that's have... the thing. That's the thing. They always yeah. want to have this, like, massive... Because I remember, I mean, like, I remember... I mean, that was 18 when 9-11 happened. And uh, there was just... No, I was 17. And I did, like... I just was... You know, we were online. Everybody was online, and we're just looking for any... We're looking for any answers you could find, right? Anything, anything. And uh, I remember there was kind of like a pandemic of its time. Uh, there was a video where they were talking about, like, oh, like, you know, there's this ruling council and there's like supposed video of these meetings happening and then you know now in retrospect i remember i just think about oh they were you know they were saying like that that george bush was part of this and i'm like george bush really was a simple man uh he's and like i remember watching the trailer for vice i haven't seen vice but was it vice vice is that what it's called the one with the that was about dick cheney Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching the trailer for that, and the converse like I remember the conversation where he asks him to be vice president, and he's just eating chicken wings and he's got the goofiest smile on his face. I was like, that's probably the realest thing that I've ever seen about George Bush, because <laughs> like that's perfect. I believe that a hundred percent. I believe that he was just chewing on some chicken wings. <laughs> you want to be my vice president? And then yeah, because he was you know uh, W was. Um as my god sister put it he was a regular dude yeah you know what i mean yeah. like he he didn't he didn't necessarily want to be president he was a regular dude thrust into that situation um his cabinet were some major supervillains like Carl dick Rowe. cheney was emperor Palpatine like a mug dude that um, that whole the, situation like i that because they put it in the trailer so like having that because I was, because he has that whole spiel where he says, you know, this has been a ceremonial role in the past. Like, give me the energy department, give me this department, give me that department, and I'll do it. And I was like, oh my god, he did do that shit. Like, that's what happened. He just yeah. took power from some shit, and he yeah. and he and I was like, because because he, he was always scary to me. Because how scary he, do you have to be to to shoot someone in the face and get an apology? He's that's that's a proper supervillain. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Like that is a yeah. That is definitely uh, on some Doctor Doom shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, definitely the W presidency was the oil baron presidency. Um, the only difference, if we could say, between that presidency and the Trump presidency is that the Bush presidency still um, was, in a weird way, still in service to the United States of America. Yeah. You know, they, despite everything that you could say about the Bush presidency, and you can say a lot. Right. You can say a whole (laughs) lot. Right. A whole lot. A whole lot. Right. They had their failure. I mean, they had their major failures. They had Katrina. You cannot say that they didn't. You cannot say that they sold the country out. Right. You cannot say, like, they willingly would sell the United States out. Unlike this group of motherfuckers we have in office right now and in power right now. Right? Um, These motherfuckers um, do... They don't even care about the mythology of the country, which mm-hmm. most people still, you know, live on is the mythology of the American dream. Right. And it is obvious, like these people 
um, they do not even respect the mythology of it. Like, they don't give a fuck, you know? And their followers don't give a fuck. I'm sorry. It's like, you know, people try to both sides it or minimize certain things. No, there, there are certain hard lines, right? And it's like, if you support a presidency or a group of people who are outwardly and extremely racist, outwardly and extremely sexist, outwardly and extremely homophobic, transphobic, um, outwardly um, outwardly uh, disgusted um, by people of lower economic standing and doing everything in their power to keep them in that place, then I'm sorry, you're a piece of trash. Right. Right? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, the argument begins and ends there. Because, you know, my my thought process is very simple. It is the idea of selflessness versus selfishness. Right. And it's like there's no way on God's green earth that you can convince me that your selfish attitudes are the proper attitudes in order for society to exist and thrive and move forward. It's funny, they... uh <clears throat> they try to tout these big things that he's done. I mean, big. But the, the, he has done some things that other people have not done, okay? He has done some positive things that other people have not done. And the the problem with it is that they put these things up and like, but look, he did this thing. Like, But that's like me going around your house, kicking over your furniture, but then I just clean up your dishes real quick. But I kicked over all your furniture. <laughs> right, like, like, came in being mad, Rick James, you know, fucking up the couch, Fuck your couch. slapping people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but then I was like, oh man, you know what? Let me let me wash this bowl real know, quick. But, but, but he made, but he made this, uh, he made this jug of Kool Aid though. Right, that, that was good. That exactly because he did, like, some, he did do the, he did the thing with the, with the, with the diabetes, like he, he uh, <laughs> insulin. <laughs> I was just like, I just want to say diabetes. Uh, he, he, yeah, he lowered the price of diabetes like through executive action, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But at the same time, is that not also serving to his constituency? Because like, exactly, it's a bunch, of, on, bunch of white fat of people that. with diabetes. Like, I don't know a lot of <laughs> a lot of non white well, people. Well, that... well, it's it's also this, right? You know, you got to look at, you know, you got to look at intention. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to look at the track record, right? Yeah, he did a couple of good things, but it's not like he did it at the beginning of his presidency. Yeah, it's it's, it's it, not like it's not like uh, it's not like you know he made that a platform, right? And whatnot. He, like he did these things. He, yeah, he you know after you fucked up the national response to this pandemic, after you fucked up the national response to the continued. Um, government-sanctioned murder of brown and black folk, you know? And then when people want to talk about, well, what about, you know, the the white people who were killed by that? My my answer to that is that why are you not protesting for them? Right. right. You're not being their voice. That's the, that, that's the realest part of that. That's the realest part of that because people have that argument all the time of, well, what about, you know, mo most people killed by the police are white? Like, that's not a good thing. Like that that's not somehow right. a better argument. Cops are supposed to kill people. Like, like supremacy 
makes you stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, like the way that the way that the mind is warped and and framed is that you get triggered when you hear Black Lives Matter, and then you want to say All Lives Matter, but you don't even advocate for the lives of your own right. when they are being stopped right. by and just um, legal and law enforcement system. A friend of so mine. A friend again, of- yeah, dude. A friend Go of mine ahead. came over, uh, and he said he he had. I remember when when Black Lives Matter first started. What was it? 2016. Um, that was 2015. 2016. Yeah. yeah. So when that first started, and there were you know there were protests in the streets, and people were in the highways and stuff. I remember my cousin coming to me, and he's like, he's like having all these arguments with me, and he's like, you know, you know, what if they're preventing uh, ambulance? What if they're doing this? What if they're doing that? And I'm like, that's the point. Like. People are getting killed. No one's listening. You got to inconvenience people. That's the only way. And he was like, well, if I'm, you know, if I'm taking my wife to the hospital, like, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I was like, I mean, I get it. But at the same time, like, you haven't done anything. We haven't done anything. No one's done anything. So, like, you know, maybe we got to lose a few to fucking figure shit out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, and then, and then this is kind of where growth comes in. This year, George Floyd dies. He calls me. He's like, yo, can we just talk? He's like, I can't fucking sleep over this. And that it, it very much new information, growth, and, and just understanding. But then you have the people that are mm-hmm. are looking at it and they like, oh, Black Lives Matter. And like the, that you, you're saying that all lives don't matter. That's never been like no one's out there. Like it, it's very, and I, I try to equate this to other shit to people, and they still don't listen. But it's like if when they go when they go out in what is it September October for 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 breast cancer, and there's women marching all over the place place for breast cancer, are they saying fuck testicular cancer? Mm-hmm. No. It's just that right, right then and there, they're raising awareness and money for breast cancer. Like right now, this is what we need to deal with. It just it makes it it's it's mind right. blowing that that's like a hard thing for people to get. It's mind blowing. Um, it, it's it's but I think if it falls down on understanding, I, I've seen a bunch of different stuff recently, a lot of content recently about all these things that we are not taught about. We are not taught about Tulsa. We're not taught about Black Wall Street. We're not taught taught about uh, um, Seneca Village. Like none of that stuff is known. I didn't know about Seneca Village until recently. That blew my fucking right. mind. By the way, that's by the that's by design. You of know course, what I mean? of course. Um, one thing, yeah, one thing that this country is really good about is trying to um, whitewash its history. Oh it, my it's god! It's really yes. good about trying to they... sweep under the rug the injustices that uh, were incurred. To get us to the situation where we are now. Yep. You know? They, they suppose, now I don't know if this went through, but there was a movement where they were going to try to change the textbooks that talked about the Trail of Tears to say that the uh-huh. Native Americans moved. They, like, willingly just made, made made way for America. I'm like, that's not at all what happened. Right. I, how, <laughs> I, it, it blow it. How I'm how much I've learned, and I said this before on the podcast, how much I've learned since I left school about American history is is infinite times more than what I learned during school. 
You learn these little things. Right, I'm like, the, right. I just this whole recent thing where I, where I found out George Washington Carver was a goddamn revolutionary, not just like, oh, he made peanut butter. Of the many <laughs> things that he did, including helping revitalize the soil, like, like the fact that he like I, th- that should be the thing to pitch. Like, oh, peanut butter, fuck peanut butter. He made soil viable again. Like, can we talk about that? Right. That's some science shit. Like. <laughs> Right, like right. God damn, like peanut butter, like fuck peanut butter, like. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I mean, but that's you know, again, like I said, that's that's by design. Yes, yeah. um, American education by design. Like, granted, you know, I mean, I was lucky. Um, all you know, all thanks to my mom for putting me, you know, putting me and and my bro through uh private school you know where you know i had some great teachers about history uh but still they didn't sell the whole story you know what i mean it was definitely like getting into college and and um you know beginning explorations for myself and things of that nature to learn more about what's really going on and that's still an ongoing process right like the the education and the unearthing of history um, is a lifelong pursuit because of the fact that, you know, if you do it right, you're supposed to learn from history, right? right? Because if you don't, you just have the cycles of bullshit going on right now. For example, what we are dealing with right now with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and everything like that is the same thing our parents dealt with in the civil rights movement. Right. It's the same thing that, you know, great grandparents dealt with and, you know, during reconstruction, you see what I'm saying? And it's like, every time, you know, people want to sweep that under the rug and, you know, talk about, Oh, how things have changed and whatnot. And I've been thinking about this lately, you know, cause I mean, I was born in the seventies, right? And as a kid, it was like the kind of thing, you know, they wanted to say that racism was over and that was a whole new world. And as a little kid, you don't know how, you don't understand the passage of time. Right. right? And it was like a couple of years ago, I had actually written a piece of my blog and I kind of really broke it down. I was like, you know what, what was I thinking? I was like, um, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated four years before I was born, right? The Voting Rights Act was, um, you know, signed, what, 72, what was that, 65? So, you know, what, maybe um, seven years before I was born, right? Um, You know, women's, women's rights, you know, Roe v. Wade happened when I was three. You see what I mean? Like, and it was leading up to, you know, the legalization of gay marriage, which happened just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you have all these people, you know, you have these people talk about, oh, we've done enough. It's like you barely scratched the surface, man. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, you go, you don't talk about 68, like being enough. And that's, that's it. You know, like you scratch the barest of surfaces. Yep. Like, like even now what we're going through is them 
now they're getting a little bit deeper. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Into the situation. But still, it's like, nah, we got work to do. There's a whole you know? lot of work to be done. A whole lot of work right. to be done. And and the people who are impeding that progress, mm-hmm. you know, I've always said it. There, there are two modes of change in this universe. It's either evolution or revolution. Yep. Evolution is the natural course of change. And you always have people who try to stop that natural course of change. Yep. Change going to come anyway. You can only stop it for so long. So either it's going to be passive like evolution or it's going to be active and dynamic like revolution because you've been trying to hold that at bay. Yep. And right now we are in another period of revolution and what needs to happen or what I hope happens. First of all, um, I am heartened by the progress and I'm heartened by, um, I'm heartened by how it's growing. And I, you have to thank the pandemic for that. You have to yeah. thank nature for that. Yeah. Because people, nature, people have time. Yeah. Nature, nature collectively told the world to sit its ass down. Yep. Right. And because the thing is, nature was telling us for years, like, yo, yo, you know what I mean? Like nature was waiting for us. I mean, especially in this country and whatnot, you know, we had all these opportunities to like address not only our problems, but the dude in office right now. We had all these opportunities. We had the scandals, you know what I mean? We had come, right? We had Mueller, right? We had straight up impeachment and humanity dropped the ball on checking this motherfucker each and every single time. So now, like I firmly believe the universe, mother nature was like, okay, y'all keep fucking, y'all can fuck it up. And that's it. I'm putting my foot down. A hundred percent. I mean, I think without that, I mean, this with the fact that everyone's been locked in, everyone like globally, globally, everyone is at home. This turned Black Lives Matter into a global movement. Yes. You had protests in Italy. You had protests in Luxembourg. You had protests everywhere. Everywhere. Japan. Everywhere. You know All saying? over the yeah. world. Japan, where there's like 17 black people. But they're like, yo, <laughs> like, yo our 17 black people matter. Yo. And that, that, and that, that, like, that was heartwarming, genuinely. Like, to see that and to see that people everywhere understand this. It, it it hopefully, hopefully, there were some people that were on the wrong side of that and were like, everybody thinks this, it's like fucking everybody. Like, am I been like, just wrong this whole time? Like, right, like, <laughs> like, like, like Japan. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I, that's my my hope is that there are people that saw the global movement and were just like, holy shit, I've just been wrong this whole time mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. Because there is no like there is no opinion in this. This is the kind of thing that there is no opinion in. There is no discussion about. There is no gray. Like life has a whole lot of grays. There is a whole lot of gray and a lot of shit. But there are certain shit that is right and wrong and good and evil. And there is no middle ground on this. Like right. you are either right or you are wrong. That's it. <laughs> like there's there's right. like anybody that saw the 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 horrible the, like those nine minutes I. I wanted to jump through the screen 
and tackle that motherfucker. I wanted, like, I, I couldn't believe he had nine minutes, nine minutes of choice to not kill a man, and he still did it. Yeah. He had he had the choice for nine minutes to not kill someone, and he still did that, and that pissed me off in ways that are very very. I've tried to articulate through this podcast on several occasions, but it's very difficult because all I want to do is jump through the fucking screen and tackle the motherfucker. I would have tossed that little Asian dude out my out my way, and I would have tackled him. I'd, I'd take me down. I don't give a shit. Right. Like right. I, I was so mad, and like. The fact that the only, like, that man is fucking insane because the only movement he made that whole time was when the firefighter lady stepped forward to try to be like, hey, render some aid. And he reached for his fucking pepper spray mm-hmm. to, to cause yeah. more harm to someone. Right. Right. Like, that's, that's. And then you have these little that. white, ignorant motherfucking kids turning it into a challenge on social media. And that pissed me off. And that's where that's where like education, that's where understanding that it's all failing right there. Because like, how the fuck? How do you turn the murder of someone into a challenge? Like, fuck yourself. Well, that's that's uh, that's the pathology, you know. That's um, that's the pathology that's taught in this country. Like, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a learned behavior disorder. It's yeah. a sociopathic, it's a sociopathic disorder. And it is something that um, is taught and it is something that is reinforced um, through, you know, the media, again, through um, the structure of government organizations. You know what I mean? Like this pathology is baked into, unfortunately, um, this country. And to divest yourself from that pathology, especially when on the surface, um, even if it does or does not benefit you, uh, the whole idea is because your tone is, you know, of a certain hue, because you look like those in power, you in fact have some sort of power, yep. which is completely not the case. It's a complete and utter fallacy. Right. Right. As we see time and time again with these regular motherfuckers trying to act spicy, then they lose their jobs and shit like that. And they wonder what the fuck just happened. That pathology is a motherfucker. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's got you out here thinking that you better than so-and-so just because, you know, you are melanin deficient. You know what I'm saying? Right. That doesn't make like that doesn't make you better than anybody as you as you see time and time and time again and that's the ill part the ill part of, about that pathology and this is also you know another fallacy of supremacy is that if you think about that pathology it does it's all about making the person mediocre yeah. right like, 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 let's break it. Let's break it down, right? So, the nature of the pathology is this. Okay, part of the pathology is this: Asian people are better at math than everybody else. You know what I mean? Right. Um, another part of the pathology is like 
you know, uh, Negroes have have super strength and are hypersexualized. And even if you break it down to like, you know, black men having bigger dicks, so on and so forth. Right. Right. The nature of the pathology is like you just an average mediocre motherfucker. And the reason why you need to be scared of these motherfuckers is because, number one, this dark dude's got a bigger dick than you. Or on the other hand, you know, this Asian dude can, like, like run rings around you in uh, quadratic equations and stuff like that. Right? I just, had, yeah. I just had a genuine, I just had, like, a genuine PTSD flashback when you said quadratic equations. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but, you know, but the fucked up thing about this pathology is, like, oh, you're supposed to be superior because you're mediocre? Right. Like... Like, and imagine, that's, it, imagine it, how that fucks the person's mind every single day. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be fucked up if you go back and, and like, you know, if we, if we were able to one day take a, a viewport back into history and, like, the first time that a white man subjugated a black man is because he saw he had a bigger dick. And he's like, no, 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 this ain't going to fly. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you know what, though? But you know what? The, the people who have create, who created this mindset... That's exactly. That's probably exactly what happened. Yeah, right. They saw them and, being able to run faster. He's like, I can't run that far. Nah, we are gonna put him in chains. He can't run that far. Like, like just all the little things. Like, like I'm trying to figure out where it came from. Right. I'm trying to figure out if European countries have a long-standing beef with African countries. Like, I'm looking back at the history. You know, like I'm looking. You know, looking at the Dark Ages. And what's interesting about the Dark Ages is that you could argue that at certain points, the African continent kind of soft conquered Europe a little bit. Right. Like you look at Spain, you look at Italy, you know, that sort of thing. And um, the things that African cultures have given to, uh, you know, the European world, like the whole idea of universities, you know, um, modes of cultivation, hygiene, yeah. food, yeah. you know, things of that nature, right? And how, you know, you have strong African presences, a strong African presence in some um, European countries that, you know, it's diluted, but it's still there, right? Like, you know, think about the Sicilians of Italy, so on and so forth. But what's very interesting is like during this period, for some reason, you don't have Europeans walking around uh, with forced African names. On them right right you don't have any europeans like you know like my you know the 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 family name of quasi was because uh some more owned or was the lord of my manor you know what i mean you don't have um you know europeans for instance like speaking Igbo or you know or shanti or you know or arabic force you know they were right. not forced to sacrifice their culture Right. Right. They were not forced to sacrifice or have their culture stolen in order to benefit from the cultural exchange. Right. You know, so I'm so I do. I'm wondering where I'm wondering, you know, part of me always thinks about where what's the source of the beef? You know, it, it's funny that you say that, like going back all the way to, to like kind of the origins of it. Uh, <clears throat> I go to comedians a lot. I think comedians are kind of the modern day philosophers. Um, I go to, uh, there's a piece that Eddie Griffin did a few years back. I forget what the title of the, the whole, uh, special was, 
but he he did this whole thing where he talked about how uh, the reason white people came and subjugated black people is because uh, white people are descendants of, of of black people. Like the the you know humanity civilization started in Africa and, and spread yeah. outward. And uh, he basically he was saying that they came they came back because uh, you know kids always come home and try to fuck your shit up after they kind of got some independence on them. And they got their own shit. And I was like, you know what? He's got a fucking point there. Like, he's got a little bit of a point there. So he's talking about, uh, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, hi, mom and dad. He's like, teach me how to dance. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great special too. Like, uh, damn, I wish I could remember what the title of it was, but he's, he's got some great ones. But yeah, like there's, there's, there, there's a whole, like, I'm very, I, 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 I'm also interested in kind of the origins of it because, you know, if you find out where shit started, you might be able to kind of kind of tackle it from from the from the base of it because I, I, you know that's kind of how we have to deal with it now. Is you have people that are taught, like you said, that it's, it's a learned behavior. It's not, you know, people aren't like there are countless countless studies that prove that racism is not something children are born with, like ch right. children. But then as soon as you get to that level of children being able to learn stuff. And then they, you know, they take like the, they take the toddlers and toddlers will play with mm -hmm. each other. They have no, they don't give a shit. They, they have no concept of anything, but you get to that two, two to five year old range when they've heard some stuff from people, they put right. them in a room, they give them some toys to choose from. And it's like, I saw one where it was like, it was a black doll and a, and a, and a white doll and they, they chose the white doll and both the black baby and, and the, the white baby did that. Because they are taught yeah. that that there is something better about it. It's the same doll, right. like it's the same. You know, it's there's nothing different about. And, it, and it's just like, and that's right there. And you see how early it gets taught, how early those things, you know, are 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 ingrained in children. And like, so I understand how hard it can be for someone who is fifteen, who you know is being for fifteen for fourteen years have been taught one way to like right. make a decision a different way. You know, there was a, um, kind of on a different top on a different tangent. They, uh, they, there was a kid who I think was 15 or 16 years old, whose parents were anti-vax his whole life. His siblings were not vaccinated. And I think he turned 15 and went and got vaccinated because he was like, fuck this shit. But it was like, he had to, you know, make some quiet moves and kind of yeah. skulk his way around to get it done. And it's when, yeah, when you're whole, when you're whole, yeah, the biggest move he had to make was like that, that change of thought. Yeah. You know? And like he uh, had to get himself I mean, educated. Right, right. And that's uh you know, to to have the wherewithal, um, to understand that you may not know everything and to change uh the bad behaviors that you have learned. I mean that's it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? It, it's not easy. Anyone who, you know, anybody who's had like an addiction can can talk about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anybody who, you know, say, for instance, like changed up their whole routine, like, you know, fitness or what have you, you know, um, they could talk about like how difficult it is to change that mindset. But it is the hallmark of maturity to be able to be open to 
understanding that you may not know every fucking thing and yep. that you um, could be on the wrong side of shit. <laughs> you know, that's it's very uh, true. A, a friend of mine came over recently. We did a little outdoor hangout and um, he was talking about, you know, he, he he's like, you know, I, I, he's like, I don't like the idea of defund the police. And I was like, why not? He's like, I don't know what it means. I was like, all right, so like that's that's where your like your your action comes into play. You have to do the research. Cause I'll be honest, the first time I heard it, I was like, "What?" I'm like that. I'm like, "We need police." That was my first reaction. Like, we need police. Like, I don't understand. But then I did a little research, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this makes perfect sense." Cause like, yeah, the hundred percent we have. Cause here's the thing: you're gonna tell me, uh, you know, we don't have enough money for social programs. We don't have enough money for all these other things, and yet. For what three, four months now, every police department across the country has had just endless supply of rubber bullets, smoke, all the like, riot, endless supply, endless. Where is this money coming from? Where is this money coming from? Because their budget is insanely high, and yeah, you know, there, there's there's a there's definitely a disparity in how how that money is divvied up. You know, people have and like people have done an incredible job on the internet with with just like showing with cartoons and someone did it with cereal and it was fucking brilliant and it was just like here's a little pour into you know housing and this and that and education after school program and then it's like here's the rest of it in the police department he's like now what we want to do is like divvy it up and i was like that's perfect i'm like and if you look at that and if you still don't get it there's something wrong with you like i'm sorry like i don't you know it's 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 it, it, it's that act and I, and that's why I was telling him I'm like it was the same like because he he said uh, he kind of had that initial thing about Black Lives Matter too like he had kind of a defensive you know position on it when he first heard it and I was like well like well, that's the point and like the, the the this country I would say this country especially because I, I feel like in other countries this isn't the case people are loathe to do the work they just don't want to do it Unless it is presented to them, here is what the thing is. Here mm-hmm. are the simple facts. Mm-hmm. Um, like to do the work and to figure it out. That's why. I mean, that's why we cling to this fucking nonsense two party shit so hard. Is because anything else is going to be way more work for us as a people. Like we cling to it because hey, it's easy to say I'm a Democrat. Yeah, that's even actually- though even though if that fucks your shit up, even though if they're not doing the right thing for you, but you. Are standing against the other side, and that's the and that's and that's you know, the every they that's, turn everything into a one or the other. That's the binary of it. <laughs> they turn it um, into a oh well, the Republicans are saying this. I don't agree with that. I'm a Democrat. That's um you know that's interesting that that um, it's an interesting observation that you made about this country. Um, you are definitely not wrong. I think uh, I think also again that's um partly by design that's part of the education uh you know the education system that we have here um the fact that i think what we're the only country um in the quote-unquote developed world one of the few countries period that does not have education baked into our constitution like education here in the United States is a privilege. It's not a right. Yep. And um, and we treat it that way. Uh, we treat it that way definitely with the public school system. The whole fact that 
um, schools are funded based off of tax revenue of the um, you know area in which that school is in. And this country is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, of course, and I'm saying this as an educator. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I've been, I've been that's on how, the front That's lines. how I first Not, met you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Not just on the collegiate level, but, I'm, you know, I've also taught on the high school level. And the thing about it is, um, is like the kids know. That's the whole thing. The kids know, like, when they are getting short shrifted, right? You know, th- and this ties back into the defunding of the police and whatnot. Because I have taught at schools, at charter schools, with these so-called problem kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When people talk about the gangs in Chicago and blase please, I have taught some of these quote-unquote gang members, right? And first of all, anybody who talks about gang violence in Chicago does not know the history of the gangs in Chicago. Right. And as a matter of fact, those students hit me to some gang, right? They hit me to the reason why you have so many people wilding out is because the gang structure was dismantled during the 90s when they put all the gangs in prison. So yep. you have a lot of these kids are just around here floundering. They're not even gangs, you know what I mean? Because on top of that, you know, uh, being a quote-unquote drug dealer um, does not make the money it used to. No. Right? It doesn't like like they're like they're like they're they're really no they ain't no big kingpins out here right and and what most of these kids want is they want direction they want a job they want an opportunity yep not an opportunity to be exploited not an opportunity to you know be thrown in jail or like they want to do the work they want guidance. Yeah, and that's you know the thing. That, that's the thing. Like people, people look at it like, oh, it's just like a violence thing. It's just a, this. No, like it's they're 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 out there putting in work. They're out there hustling. Like they're selling whatever right. they need to sell to to make money so they could live, Survive. so they could eat. Right. And the thing is, you know, when they talk about defunding the police, oh, it would be all violent. No, if you defund the if you defund the police and take some of those funds over to like housing programs, job training programs, so on and so forth, you wouldn't need all those militarized police out on the streets. Yep. You know what I mean? And the and the cops can actually do their the initial job is what to protect and serve. Yep. Not to protect property and serve the rich, but to protect and serve their communities. If the communities are healthy, yeah. You know what I mean? Then, you know, it makes the cops job easier. On top of that, if the community is healthy healthy it makes the economy of the fucking city or state or country healthier. You know, I mean, that's another ill thing about the pathology. It makes you stupid. Do you realize that if, you know, for instance, you know, talk about a rich cat, right? Like actually, actually the clusterfuck that's happening right now with the U S economy is a perfect example of this fuckery, right? And how the pathology makes you stupid, how the pathology makes you short-sighted. Yeah. You know what I mean? How the pathology actually winds up hurting the person who believes in it the most. Yep. You know? Like, what? what is it? What is it? Like, our... What, our GDP, what, fucking crashed last week? Last, last Friday? 
Yeah, yeah, like it was a 30, 33% drop. <laughs> like, like, bottom the fuck out. Yeah. You know? That was because of the pathology. Again, like, you, you can, you can, you can successfully, I can successfully argue that every problem that we're having currently with this pandemic in this country, the response to it is all racially motivated. And this is the part where racism hurts the racist. Yeah. And I think people are, they're beginning to see it. Of course, they don't want to address it the way that I address it, because that's, <laughs> that's opening a whole another, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Can of words, you know, to dissect and process and, and, um, you know, and disseminate. But I will say this, I would challenge anybody to tell me that racism is not a factor of why we are in the position that we are in in this country right now, economically, in terms of world health, in terms of, um, of course, our social and political unrest. And, you know, you know, nobody, yeah, nobody can. Nobody can successfully argue. It's like no, no that's you not. Can't. You can't. I mean, our our entire history is is built on racism. Like, the, there's no part of like America doesn't exist without racism. Like, it, it, if you do, if you do, if you look at even the, even the little bit of history that's taught in schools, even if you look at that and you think, oh no, this is all fine. And like this isn't racism. Like you don't know what the fuck you're reading. Like you don't know what the fuck you're looking right. at. Like every single part of it. They, we came in and we were like, "Here's some fucking syphilis blankets. Get off my lawn." And they're like, "Who's right. lawn? What are you right. talking about? Who's lawn? Like that's not your lawn." <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then oh, we don't want to work this crop, so let's get some. Let's get these cats from over here and ship them over here to do that job. You know, right? And it's um, funny because people people like to. The, the, the deflect game, there are people that, like, I feel like they need to be in hockey because their deflection game is strong. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they're they like, oh, oh, well, you know what? Like, the, 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 the kings in, yeah, like, the kings, the, oh, the, the, the kings in Africa sold the slaves. I'm like, that's not a good thing. Like, that, that doesn't excuse the fact that, like, excuse mother buying yeah like <laughs> it's like oh well you know i was i was on the street and you know there was this pimp and he was just you know there was he was he was offering me this woman to, to buy like that's not a that doesn't you know? make you immune to the fact that you're buying a hooker like <laughs> like god damn it like this is not like the the, the deflection game is so strong because they, they just go into these like tangent subjects and oh well, you know with black you know with the with the police officers oh well, they kill white people more often and this that and the other thing but i mean even and this is you know this is what i posted about on facebook like the question i asked you and like and i uh, to uh, to this day like it wasn't something i believed in it was just like i i wanted to have that conversation but it was just like it was such an easy and like now now with like more knowledge and more understanding it's such an easy answer that like have even having that debate back then or start a discussion back then would have been fucking stupid a waste of time uh, so like, I honestly appreciate that you never even responded to it, but I was like, you know, well, like, you know, even if 5% of all copper, you know, police interactions and p- poorly, like, what about all the other hundred thousand interact? Who fucking cares? Right. Those are right. supposed to end that way. Right. Like, 
like the the like it's supposed to end in a good way it's not supposed to end in death or violence or like you're not supposed to get tased like god damn it like the atlanta that pissed me off nearly as much as the george floyd situation because now there now it's just a battle of well is it a dangerous weapon or is it like it, it was just like they're trying to find a way to not put this guy to jail because he shot a man right. in the back well he had a gun right well he didn't have a gun he had a taser that's why like you use the taser first because that's it's a de-escalating weapon right but like if it's if it's not a dangerous weapon why are we using it right right and then he was shot in the back which means he was running away which means that you were not in danger well, his you argument then, well, his argument then was because he, had, I guess, he had gotten a hold of the taser, but he had used it. Like, so there, it has two charges. It only it was used up. So it either is mm-hmm. a dangerous weapon, and he is in, he's endangering the lives of others, up. or it's not a dangerous weapon, which is why we use it in the first place, and it had no charges left. But there is no right. way in which you didn't shoot a man in the back. <laughs> It's just like right. and they're just trying to deflect out of it, and it's like the the the, the lack of, of onus that all these motherfuckers have is is incredible. Like they just oh no you know there's this and this and and, and every situation and, and and I'm so thankful for technology and the way it's advanced because we have record now. And then you have these situations where you know yeah Derek Chauvin was arrested, <clears throat> but it took three fucking days. If a police mm-hmm. officer suspects. I did some shit. They can put me in a prison overnight to find the evidence. There was at least they don't even have to expect right. They suspect me some shit. Right. (laughs) They can put you. They can put you in and yeah. For depending upon if I if I'm lucky with the interaction of whatever police officer I dealt with that. that So they can just do that and find the evidence. They can they can do the research after the fact. They had at no less than three different camera angles showing what this man did, and it took them three days to find something criminal, which I wanted to choke the life out of that lawyer. The the Hennepin County lawyer, when he was like, Oh, like it was wrong what he did, but I need to determine if it was if there was a criminal act. I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, they were trying to wait for those three days to see if their outrage would blow over. I was like before they actually yeah. had to do something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What you see with a lot of these, you know, with a lot of these situations, it's like a lot of these situations, it's like the cops are waiting for this shit to blow over till the next one. And that's the thing. This cannot blow over. We need to be up on this, you know, and, um, you know, shout out to everybody that continues to be out there on the front lines, protesting, um, lending their voice, you know, making their voices be heard. I give nothing but the utmost respect to them. Um, like what happened in Portland, I look at what happened in Portland is a victory um, that, you know, the federal troops bounced, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, um, in addition, of course, to Black Lives Matter, I have to give the shout out to um, the Wall of Moms and the Wall of Dads and also give That's... a huge shout out to the military who came in there and fucking were the protectors of democracy like for real for real thank you for your service you know what i mean like salute to that because that's what it's all about you know 
And it's stuff like that that's heartening to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember, I remember seeing it was the one of the first, one of the early weeks uh, of the, of the protests. And I think it was in, it was in Minnesota. Um, and there were just like a bunch of white dudes strapped up and they were like, we came out here to march with our brothers and sisters because we have noticed that the police behave a little differently when you have armed white men on the streets than, uh, when you have, uh, unarmed black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, that's, that's fucking, you know what? That's, that's real shit. Because like, look what happened two months earlier in fucking Michigan. These motherfuckers mm-hmm. came in, strapped the fuck up into the Capitol building. Not a single rubber bullet, no, no fucking tear gas, no nothing. I'm like, there's a disparity here. And if you don't see it, maybe you need to take off them rose colored glasses. Like something's. That's some, that's some straight up bully shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's some straight punk bitch bully shit right there. Right? Because, um, what was it? Uh, even a couple of weeks ago um, with the um, uh, black gun groups. Uh, uh, one, what's one of the groups like not fucking around anymore? One of those groups, I, I don't, I forget. I don't know the, the names, title. But... Yeah, I don't know the names. I, I've seen the videos. I've seen the videos, and it's very yeah, cool. Like a militia, like walking through. You yeah, know? yeah, it was in St. Louis, I think it was. Yeah, you know, yeah, that race war that people keep talking about. Yeah, y'all real, y'all real timid and tender to fire that flirt first bullet when you see, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Black and brown folk armed like you, like. What happened to you, you know, what happened to, like, all your big guns? What happened to Big Willie at that point? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's another. I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all bully shit. And the thing with bullies is that, you know, bullies, you got to blast them in the snot box. Yep. Like, straight up, like, bullies, you stand up to bullies. Like, best believe, best believe if in his young life, Donald Trump got blasted in the snot box about two, three, four times. This country would not be in the position that we're yeah. in right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's <laughs> one of those situations where you take the, the people in power do their damnedest to stay in power by separating themselves and theirs from everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's why you have the most private schools that have the cost the most money, which means mm-hmm. only the richest people can go there. And the mm-hmm. richest people, they don't, they don't do like there is no like. There's always these uh these you know movies where you have the the like token poor kid gets into the rich school. That shit doesn't happen in real life. Right. It's just the rich kids in there. There's nobody to stand up to the bullies, and it, it, you know there's nobody to like give perspective. There's just rich people right. in there, and they just reinforce their own bullshit. So when they come out into the world, into 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 the, the public sector, into the private sector, they're just going to continue to reinforce their bullshit. That's why all these, you know, right. back, back alley deals and shit like that. That's why you see monopolies, and that's why, like, it's it's hilarious to me that a man who has as much business as he has, and granted, mostly failed businesses, but you know, let's not talk about that in public, because uh, <laughs> we can't. We can't. Like, <laughs> like what? What's he going? Well, no, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just mean like we just like I just mean like as a country, we we don't like we don't like to acknowledge the fact that he's mostly failed every business as he, that he's fucking attempted, except okay, his, okay, except okay, his okay, fucking okay, uh, okay, except okay. his fucking hotels, which the, uh, which the only reason that shit's around is because motherfuckers like to stay at ritzy places and like rich motherfuckers like to do rich shit. That's the only reason that's still there. 
you know what's the funny thing about Trump is like Trump is like the tackiest rich motherfucker out there. Real talk. So like his shit is like, like his shit is like the Section Eight of rich people. It's like <laughs> Section Eight housing. <laughs> like like straight up. I'm sorry. Like but when your hotel's got bed bugs in them, uh, that's some slumlord shit. What? That's some slumlord I didn't even hear about shit. that. Yeah, homie. Yeah. Oh, that's funny as shit. And I know how much of a problem that is. I've had big bucks in my life. Yeah. That's a problem. I mean, I've dealt with that too. But like, yeah, people were complaining Mar-a-Lago, like, you know, bed bugs oh, and shit like that, you shit. know? It's not like It's not like he's got a refined palate, so it's not like you're going to eat the finest, you know, the finest meals right. at them motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? It's they probably like, got some bland-ass steaks and like just some, just like what looks, what looks good, whatever looks good. Look, Break it, I'm gonna break it down like this, all right? The motherfucker had a basketball team come to the White House. And he fed them McDonald's. 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 And put it on the good of China to make it seem like this. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, not even the poorest of the poor in the hood would do that trifling ass shit. I'm s- at least put on a barbecue or something. That's what you would get in the hood. <laughs> like, like grill some shit get, up, goddammit. Like you would get you would, a potluck, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know You got you gotta let you gotta let Karen bring the bring the fucking potato salad with the raisins, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know about the potato salad. <laughs> but <laughs> But, but at least, you know, at least the effort. See, that's that's the thing. That's that's the whole. Um, he probably didn't think about it until the last minute either. He probably was like, oh, shit, they're coming today. Uh, uh, Billy, go buy some McDonald's. It's <laughs> not. And that's, you know, and it's like. You know, as as I get older and especially um, seeing what's happening right now, right? And seeing how, you know, people regard money and um, the illusion that people have about money and what money does. Um, As you can see, again, from this president alone, is that money does not make you special. Money does not make you intelligent. Money does not make you compassionate. Uh, Money does not... uh, What what did... uh, See, I'm referencing Real Housewives in New York um, with the <laughs> with with the I think she called herself the Countess, you know, with Luann when she did that song "Money Can't Buy Your Class." That's some real shit. Mm. <laughs> you, you, you know mm. what I'm saying? Real talk. That's, that's, that's some real. That's some real ass talk, you know. Um, and you know that's that's what, especially in this country, that's what we're dealing with right now. We are dealing with. We're dealing with the, um, since the president is, quote unquote, the front man of the country. Right. You know what I'm saying? Collectively, we are dealing with a trifling ass motherfucker who's the front man of the country. Yeah. And because because of that, he's gotten, he's emboldened a whole bunch of trifling ass, bitter, bitch ass motherfuckers to act Brody like they think that they are important and they think that they matter because... Their homunculus is now up on the world stage, ah! right? Ah! <laughs> you know? I like that. I like that. That's a good. That's a good <laughs> word for him. 
It's a good word right. for him. I like it. <laughs> you know, but you know, but the problem is, is that uh, shit stinks. You know, and piss is yellow. Yeah, and the rest of the world sees the piss and shit that we propped up, that this country propped up as president, and they're laughing at us. The whole world is laughing at us. Yeah, even it, the people, even the people that um, Edie Trumpine, as I like to call him, you know, that he uh, worships and wants to be like, are laughing at us. You know. Kim Jong-un, if he's still alive or even or they're still doing the weekend at Bernie shit with him, um, his, <laughs> corpse, his corpse is laughing at us. Right. You know, Putin is like, job well done. Yeah. You know? Putin's just waiting for it. He's he if I think if he if we got to a point where he thought he could he could strike, he would. Right. I think if he well, if we got to a point where he he was like, you know what, they don't know what the fuck they're doing right now. You know what? Let's 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 just do a little quick, like a little sample. Let's yeah. take Alaska. Like, yeah, right. You know, you know the interesting thing about that, about that is, is that in terms of destabilizing the U.S., this is the most that Putin could do. Like, if you think about it, militarily, yep. I mean, the whole disillusion of the Soviet Union, so on and so forth. Yeah, they, like, they couldn't. They couldn't like, fight us on on, on like one to one. They couldn't fight us. Yeah, in terms of a traditional war, yeah. no, no, no. no being the, on, the only war but, that, that's going to happen is when China decides to just throw all the bodies at someone and just take over. You know what I mean? But um, but but even but yeah, but even then, you know, it was like with with Putin, all he had to do was stoke the bullshit that was already happening in this country. And, you know, that's all he could do, and yep. that's all he really needed to do, right? Because, you know, the U.S., you know, the U.S., again, is, um, it's interesting how little dick energy the U.S. is because, you know, having the most bombs and shit right. like that, like, if you got true big dick energy, you don't need to, nope. you know, you don't need to say well we need more carriers and shit like that you know what i mean that's we like have, we have whole like we have actual bases there's like a base or two in texas that are just full of tanks like m1 abrams that are just sitting there collecting actual dust <laughs> like you know we, um, like we're plenty fucking armed right right but you know psychologically as a country we're we're fucking prepubescent idiots. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, you know um, what? It's it's kind of like it's kind of like a video game. It's it's exactly like a video game. I've been playing Halo recently, so I just like I I, I just made this connection. We have all these guns kind of everywhere, but there's only like two or three guys that are like qualified to use them. Everybody right. else is just like you're just gonna you're you're, you're gonna pick up yeah you're gonna pick up their gun because they're gonna be on the ground. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like you, as you're as you're progressing through the levels, you know you get the one guy who can do some shit. He's like, ah, fucking Billy died. All right, Timmy died. God damn it! Like, right. just... good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not everybody's John Wick. And it's funny that we've we've gone on this whole subject because weren't we supposed to talk about comics gate? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I. I... You know what I start? I started recording at some point because I was like, you know what, this is a good conversation. We're like, this will be, this will be fine because this is kind of like what happens. The, the Tangents podcast is like we just we start and then it's just whatever happens. Um, Comicsgate is a very interesting thing. I mean, we could do a, we could do a pivot. It's perfectly fine. Like I, I, 
so here here's let me kind of give you my spiel kind of like where i see what's happening and you just because okay. I, I feel like you have a very unique perspective on this because you are an independent creator you've been doing your own thing for a long time and like you know that side of the world better than i think most i think better than even some of these uh you know major guys kind of trying to go out into the independent space and so the, the, what what happened what seems to have happened in the major industry is that you have Marvel, you have DC, and they they see a, a, a potential market in the the gay, the LGBTQ, like uh, people of color, like those markets. So they have made like some some would say forced strides into presenting some of these characters as either characters that already exist, i.e., Black Captain America, uh, or female Thor. Or by creating new characters like a Kamala Khan or uh, um, uh, Miles Morales. I, although I would say that's kind of like been a, he's been around for a long time. I wouldn't even say that's part of this diversity push. But there has been, like I have personally seen kind of the, everyone has a gay best friend. Like, you know, there's, there's something like, it, it seems like in every new kind of modern writer's repertoire is there's a gay best friend. Or there's a this, or there's a that. Like, there is something that they bring in to kind of diversify the cast. I've mm -hmm. honestly seen it the most in DC because I feel like Marvel already has, like, a very diverse, rich character cast. DC is struggling in that in that area really, really hard, honestly. Uh, so, like, I was, re you know, I read all of New 52 kind of straight, like, which is which was a task, but I did it. Uh, and it's... That is, yeah, <laughs> there were only... The gems in the real talk, real talk. The best shit was the shit I never thought would be the best. Aquaman was good. The uh, Frankenstein Age of Shade, Animal Man, like that whole that whole side of shit was great. Um, but then you had like Batman was okay. I mean, the Court of Owls, Court of Owls was my shit actually. Court, 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 of, Owls Court of Owls was very good. There was there were there were things about the Batman books that were very good, but that like there was a lot of stuff in between that was kind of meh. Got you. The the Brian Azzarello Cliff Chang Wonder Woman shit for me was really top notch. Like that shit was dope. Like how he, how he, um, how Azzarello kind of took that and uh, deconstructed. I, I did. You know, yeah. A hundred percent. I did not. I, I enjoyed Wonder Woman. I did not like Wonder Woman and other shit. Uh, I didn't feel like her and Superman and her and her into Justice League. It was kind of meh. Justice League, which yeah, yeah, like my no. favorite books are team books, and Justice League that whole run was yeah, it was I. It was, it was, it it was. I would say that whole run was kind of like the first X Men movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was, it, it had know. the essential elements, but it didn't really do the most with them. Yeah, it was like, like I got okay. I, like, it, it, it bothered me because they, th like, the way they structure the world. And, like, it, it felt like they were like, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're rebooting. But then some of the writers were like, yeah, but I still want all the things to have happened. Like, Snyder, Scott Snyder was like, no, all the shit I wrote already happened. So, like, now you're right. telling me that that five, you know, like, R Bruce has gone through five Robins and one of them got killed in five years? Five you are a yeah, bad was, fucking uh, role model, bro. Maybe you need to retire. <laughs> it's like you know i actually um i actually heard some of the well i got some of the uh, uh inside info of how the new 52 came about and yes it was a clusterfuck yeah and um yes yes also 
uh, the new 52, even before I, even before I got the information that I got, I felt that the informa- the uh, new 52 was a response uh, and a late response to the success of Marvel Studios, of the Marvel movies and whatnot. And so I felt that the new 52 as a whole was like sort of trying to make the DC universe the Marvel Ultimate Universe, which right. is basically what the Marvel movies are based on i saw that from jump it's like oh yeah to 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 a lot of points to a lot of points they definitely went more the they like took the 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 main avengers mythos and put it under like the ultimates kind of streamlining process yes yes they did yes they did which definitely worked you know i mean for the oh my god yeah um but you know since then like dc have been playing catch-up and the new 52 was definitely um, a catch-up sort of situation. It was also um, a situation where you had fanboy wishes coming true that should not have, namely Superman and Wonder Woman getting together. Yeah, that, that was... should have never happened because just ba- I'm gonna break it down like this: both Superman and Wonder Woman are tops. They're they're tops. So it's like you know, two tops getting together, like two bottoms getting together. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, right. you know what I mean? Right. And <laughs> it worked because that's why it worked with her and and Steve Trevor for the first little bit of of New Fifty Two. Like it made sense, and and you could see the yeah. whole like puppy dog thing he had for her, and like he would do, he would bend over backwards to like to, to make her happy, even when they were working up, and like it worked. That right. worked for me. <laughs> like that makes sense. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's a reason why, you know, there's a reason why. Um, Clark and Lois work. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like even though, you know, Clark is more powerful, he's a top in that respect. You know, Lois matches him in terms of like attitude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude. And attitude. Phrasing and, and it that way makes perfect sense. Like now I'm thinking about it. She she's top emotionally and personally, because he's very much a soft dude. Even as Superman, he's yeah. a soft dude. Like he's never gonna like yeah. the one time he had to kill a guy, he fucking that just haunted him forever you know like right so, right good dude like that you know but, what I but mean? lois would dead a bitch in a minute you know she would yeah <laughs> if, she, if she needs to yeah if, if, she, if, needs if, if the situation was at hand pow, i gotta move on i got shit to do <laughs> i'm lois lane and that's why, you know that's why batman and catwoman work you know what i mean yeah. because it's like i mean bruce is bruce is that hard ass you know and Selena is the fluid nature. She's the one that can knock him off his square. And again, you know, because he's so rigid, you know what I mean? And she's so fluid that they, it's the yin and yang, right? Yeah. Of relationships that work. 100%. Which did, there was no yin and yang with the Superman Wonder Woman relationship. This doesn't make sense yeah. romantically. And then, you know what I mean? And I feel like they even wrote it a little bit that way because it was just like, they both kind of wanted something. They, they both kind of wanted the same thing out of it. And she's like, let's just, let's just fuck. And then they took down a mountain and like, you know, like, <laughs> like that's the guy. And it's like, that's the kind of shit that like you would have, like if essentially they turned them into like a good version of Ultraman and Superwoman. Like they had kind of this, like, you know, we are the most powerful. Therefore we, like, it makes sense for us to be together. But like in reality, it doesn't. Cause like personality wise, they're not even close. Feeling each other. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, it never, it never <laughs> felt, it never felt real. 
real. And then and then so, and then he lost his power. She became the god of war. And she's like, eh, you know, I'm a little too busy for you now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't break a girl back. Like, I gotta go to do some shit. Like, I got a station now. Yeah. In like, you know, metaphysical life and shit. Like, yeah. you know, I just got, I just got too many crazy things. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, right he, he lost the ability to blow her back out, and then she got to move on. You know, <laughs> she got to get a different dude. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but like in that, in that, they, there was that gr- like, just like great example of of editorial versus like not even an editorial, but this was just like editorial not paying attention to what's happening because with Batgirl, Batgirl had a good run. I would say a great run to me, like. It was the strongest I'd ever seen Barbara Gordon. Like, she was kicking ass, taking names through the whole Court of Isles, Night of Isles situation, everything through whatever, 40-some-odd issues. No, not even 40. It was, like, 30-some-odd issues. And then it was, like, she had this, the, the, she found the roommate, and they were good friends. And she's, like, it literally ends with, I'm never going anywhere. I'm, like, you're my, you're my, you're my friend. I'm never going to leave you. And then they bring on this new art team and a new writer, and literally the first thing you see is her leaving and saying, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, I was like, that's not even, you can't end the story with I'm never leaving. And then the next thing you see is peace out. I'm out. Like, that's not, you got to give me something. Um, And then they turned her into this child. They turned this graduate student, badass superhero into a, a child who was, she fell in love with social media. And then they introduced a gay roommate or a gay best friend or whatever it was. And it just kind of, I, to me, that one instance wasn't a big deal because like, like gay people exist. Like, it's not like, it's not like you can't just, you, your roommates with someone and then like, they happen to be gay. Like, that's a thing with people. Like you can be gay people everywhere. Like that was the premise of three's company. Right. Uh, (laughs) 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 That's funny. So, but like that, you know. and like, and to me, that was the, 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 an example of like editorial kind of not giving a shit and saying like, do whatever you want, but then that ruined the book. Right. And I feel like people, us, people like related shit. I, I did love that Burnside costume though. I thought that was like the, the costume version. is great. And I think if they had done, like you said, an ultimate version of Batgirl where it was like, we're going to go back to square one day one, this is Batgirl first costume. That's to me perfect. Holy shit. But for her mm-hmm. to come out of that badass costume and mm-hmm. and this era of just being a badass and turn into this like child again, I really can't get over the fact that now it, to me I know people there are people who argue like oh like the best arrow like the the best way to draw superheroes is like with superhero features and like big titties is part of, like part of the p- package. I think that's fucking stupid. But when you go from a woman's body and a woman kicking ass to this mm-hmm. child, like it's a different presentation. It was hard for me genuinely while I read the whole thing begrudgingly because it wasn't a great arc, honestly. Uh, I read the whole thing and it was hard for me to believe that she was meant to be a graduate student mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you just like, the behavior, like all of a sudden she's in this like social media and, and cell phones. And like, yeah, she knew about this shit last week. She was Oracle. She knows about social media. 
Right. <laughs> like she invented social media. Like, <laughs> like, I'm pretty media. sure. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure mean, in DC she invented that shit. It's like, but in, in terms of the strange case of Barbara Gordon, and um, in terms of you know what we're talking about um, in uh, considering diversity mm-hmm. and considering you know the claims of uh, Comicsgate uh, with mainstream comics. Um, this is the only point where I can say that they have some merit. Um, not because, not because of forced diversity. Right. All right. To be honest, because to be honest with you, up until diversity became a thing, um, actually DC and Marvel, well, I would say especially DC, and then I'm also going to lump in Wildstorm um, with this as well, right? Um, you know, you've always had, like, these diverse characters. Like, if yeah. you think about in the 90s, right? 90s, you had Steel coming out. You know what I mean? Um, I love that movie, you know, Yeah, Steel was a great character. The movie fucked it up. But Steel was a great character. I love the movie, even like it's a it's a damn bad cheesy movie, but it's I love it. It's just that movie is horrible. Yeah, but <laughs> like, but watching Shaq do superhero shit is kind of like I, I saw that on a Saturday morning. I don't know what movie was more terrible of that period, Spawn or Steel. It's a toss up. Oh, it we can have on... a conversation about that. I love Spawn. Yeah. I think Spawn was a great movie. <laughs> we could, but that's not this. Kind of <laughs> oh, but you you had Steel. Um, you know, of course, Milestone Media, you know, yeah. which was basically DC's uh, Death Row Records. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. a good description of that. I like that. Well, because, like, Milestone was its own company and it was distributed by DC. Yeah. Much like Death Row was its own country uh, company distributed by Interscope, right? So I did not you know, know they were distributed by Interscope originally. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, yes. I always I always perceived Death Row as its own entity entirely. No, that's Yeah, where... I knew Aftermath was under Interscope. I knew that, no, but I didn't know no, Death Row was. Death Row, that was the beginning of the relationship between Dr. Dre and Jimmy uh, Iovine. That, make, was, that was makes sense. Death that makes sense. Holy yeah. shit. So, so, you know, so Milestone was pretty much that for for DC. Even when you talk about later in the decade, like I'm looking at books like Planetary with Jakita Wagner, who was I still uh, haven't read. I still haven't read that, but like it, Man, I was, I, I, you, you were missing out. I know that. Uh, I know that Warren Ellis is being dragged through the coals right now. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, you know, but Planetary and the first twelve issues of The Authority, like. Planetary, you I know, gave us the authority. Wagner. The authority gave us like probably the baddest, badass gay character ever created. The, the Midnighter. The best yeah. moment in I think it might have it might have been in those first twelve, maybe the second run. I forget what like, but well, like but there was a moment where uh, uh, Apollo's sitting there and he's like He's like, I want to rip his fucking arms off, and he's sitting there, and, he goes, and then a midnighter just leans over. He's like, I just love you to bits sometimes, and I fucking love right. that moment. That was when Mark Miller took over, and he made them being gay was this whole thing. But what Ellis did in the first twelve of Planetary, and it was in the second arc with the um, alien invasion, yeah. where you know Apollo's 
weakened, you know, because he's been fighting the whole time, has a recharge. And he's like, I got to go back out there. You know, Midnard is like, but you'll die. And then they have this tender moment where, you know, you know that they're gay. And it was like this thing of like, oh, Midnighter and Apollo are gay. Whatever. Midnight's badass. But, they, you know but that's mean? the thing. They were like, um, he wrote them that way in, in, uh, in, in Stormwatch, too. Because when he brought them in on Stormwatch, like, he brought them yeah. in gay. And from, then there's a great moment where, because they brought them in from the cold, because they were like, you know, secret agents and whatever. Uh, and then yeah. uh, uh, Apollo hugs uh, um, uh, Synergy. He hugs her. Like, th- like he's like, a, as a thank you. Like, thank God. Like, I'm, we're, like, we're so happy to be kind of back with people. And... Right, right, and right. you see Midnighter kind of kind of wince at it, and and Jackson King walks over. And he's like, "I know, I know. That's that's okay." It's like, okay because yeah, Midnighter like, crying a little bit. Yeah. You know, he's like happy. You know, but but um, all that all that to say is that you know, with the '90s, if you think about Vertigo, you know, if you think about the whole Vertigo line, if you think about Milestone, if you think about characters like Steel and Jaquita Wagner. And um, Tesla Strong and the Midnighter. If you think about Kate Kane as Batwoman, if you think about Renee Montoya, you know eventually I love becoming Montoya, uh, the question. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, her version of the question. You had these companies actually having more honest portrayals, yeah, of diverse lifestyles and cultures than you did when diversity became a thing. When diversity became a thing amongst the corporate two, then what you kind of saw was what I like to call the discoization of diversity. Yeah, the disco, the disco, yeah, the discoization of, of of diversity is when you have people who are not of a culture now seeing that the culture is making big money, so they make their approximations of that culture yeah. in order to like all the money, like disco. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, like what happened to Disco? I.e. Black so, Lightning. It, right. Well, you know what? Um, Black Lightning in the... I mean, I give all respect to Black Lightning from the beginning, from Tony Isabella and Trevor Von Eden. Um, definitely in the 90s when they relaunched Black Lightning, um, that was a good little run with him and Eddie Newell. The television series is the shit. Sorry. The television series... All right. Um, because I feel like it is on topic, I, I would like to just tangent on that for just a second. I think right. the second season is infinitely better than the first season. I think the first season, while obviously uh, uh, the the there there are great moments that that address uh, uh, racism and 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 just a whole lot of shit. Just I can't even boil it down to just a couple words. There are great moments. I think it went a little heavy-handed um, on certain shit. Um, I it was hard for me to like right out the gate. Okay, fine, he gets pulled over. The cops don't treat him right. I get it. But then the rest of the show is about how he is the most known person in that entire city. So for me, like it then makes that opening scene for me very hard to believe because like you're gonna tell me the cops don't know this man and and everybody else knows him. Well, you like know, everybody else knows him. Like, like he knows all the drug dealers and all the politicians and, and just everybody, but the cops don't know him. And that was like, mm, like I get the point that was made, 
but it was like I felt that they came in really, really heavy handed. Um, even though the, the the cast was almost entirely black, um, and it was it was honestly it was very refreshing. I grew up on black shows. Like I I uh, I actually have been planning this video. And this is gonna sound weird, but I've been planning this video. Uh, uh, kind of explaining uh, my idea. Like, I, I, I feel like I was raised by black fathers. Um, like, I, all, like I, you know, I didn't have a father in my life, but like everything that I watched was black TV and you had, had black fathers. The role models I grew up with were black men. So like, to, like, like that's how I was raised. So for me to, to, to like see a show that it, like I was just looking at something, um, they were ta- I was looking at, a, they were talking about the Parkers and they were talking about like all these shows. They were talking about Living Single. And I was like, fuck, why don't we get good ass shows like this anymore? Like, like Living Single was the shit. And then we just don't have good shit like that no more. Living Living Singles Living Singles still holds up. I was For real. As a matter of fact, or as a matter of before uh a fact before we had this, I was watching reruns of Living Single. That shit still holds up. Like that shit series. still works. It's a and great it's, series. And yeah. Now with Black Lightning. Um, you know, you said, did you watch season three yet? Of Black Lightning. Season three's out? It's been out. Wait, wait. <laughs> you need to catch up. Hold it on. may be on Netflix now. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. No, they only had the two seasons. Season two was with Crisis. Oh, there are three seasons. There are three seasons. There, there are three I'm, seasons. So I'm not crazy. I'm three seasons? Yeah, yeah. Was season three the three one with seasons. Crisis? So- Huh? Was season three? Season three was the one with the crisis. Episode. Okay, yeah. So yes. yeah, no, no. I have seen, I've seen everything. I've seen everything now. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah, watch yeah, season yeah. three. Season three. Then that's. I, I'm sorry. Then then season three is what I meant. Season three. I feel like is the, the better of them because it felt more like a comic book, and it did not mm-hmm. feel like it was incidentally a comic book. Yeah. Well, what was interesting about season three um, is that from the first two billups of the first two seasons. The thing that I loved about season three is that it was unapologetic in its metaphor, you know what I mean, about African-American life. Like, it was unapologetic. Like, even, like... The whole whole arc with... uh, uh, um, With Gravedigger. Gravedigger was basically... Gravedigger was basically DC's... He became DC's Isaiah Bradley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like... And what would really happen, you know, with somebody with somebody like that in the mix? Like, I love the fact that it completely and utterly went there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like it, it totally went there. Um, and it was building up for um, for those three seasons. Like, you know, one of the things that I love about uh, Black Lightning is that it's the first time on TV that you see a you see a superpowered family like it's a, like it's a family of superheroes yeah you know what and I you mean? have you have the family like, dynamics oh, as well as even lynn like even lynn like straight up yeah straight up for the long i want to cross over i want to cross over with lynn and iris because those two sisters will pull out a rifle in a second they will pull out a shotgun and, and blast you gotta do what you need to do them. you gotta do what you need to do to protect your family that's why I actually like I actually liked uh, Iris's role in this most recent season of Flash as well because she's kind of had more of a, a pivotal role as far as like just driving the story forward. Right, and and part of that is because you know getting back into the whole uh, discussions of diversity, right? Um, is that 
when people think of diversity nine times out of ten, especially when it comes to comics, right? I see this all the time. I see this especially in a lot of black comics groups, right? They're always talking about we need more black characters, we need more black characters, we need more black characters. And I'm like, no, what you need are more black creators. What you need are more black, brown, you know, other POC, you know, women in the gatekeeping positions. Yeah. Right? That's because that's, that's where, been the biggest problem in society is you have all these straight white men in positions of power and they get to decide who gets to do the things. And that's right. that's why I like uh, uh, I, I like, I mean, I really, realistically, that's why I like the independent space more uh, as far as comics and just really creative media in general, because you have people just doing their thing. And then it's like, oh, you're black. Oh, you're gay or bi or what? Like, that's just like, it's who you are, but like you are creating the thing that I'm enjoying. So like the, the, the who is it becomes just as important. Because I feel like in right. comics, and we, we, we have a, a, a bridge, right? There is, I read a comic book and I put it down. I don't have to know who Warren Ellis is or what he might've done or, you know, like I don't, there's a, there's a, there's a differentiator there. But if you know, like with indie, inherently you get to know the people, you get to know the people that are doing right. it because you are buying from them. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that is the thing about you know the thing about about the industry what's what's interesting is that you know historically um you know the fan art or, or the fan you know artists becoming the yeah the star or you know the writer becoming the star um that really started that really started in the 60s you could you could say that jack kirby is the first um comic book superstar right he's the he's He's the prototype of he's he he and Stan Lee are the prototype of the superstar artist and the superstar writer. Right. Right. Like one of the reasons why Marvel resonates with people so much is exactly um, is exactly the reason why you say you resonate with indie so much more is that um, Stan Lee, you know, brilliant marketer that he was. He also made himself the face of Marvel. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, Stan Soapbox. Yeah, arguably even more so than his characters, right? So with Marvel, you know, especially from that point on, you felt more of a personal connection with Marvel because it's like Stan Lee is a real person. That's you know? funny. I've I, I felt that, and I, I've I've thought about that before. I was like, I, I just feel more connected with Marvel characters. But that's that's a very good point because like I don't like I know the names behind DC, but I don't know those people. Right. And, and, you know, and with me being a creative and stuff like that, and, um, and really, you know, I look at comics as, you know, comics are my art form. It's more than, you know, it's more than just a, a business, you know, like, right. you know, my life, my art life um, is based on comics and comics are my medium, you know what I mean? Right. So it's, a, so it's more, it's much more than dope. So, as an uh, so as an artist, you know, part of my thing was to meet other artists and pick their brain and you know understand where they were coming from, you know, right, um, that sort of thing. And and so meeting my heroes, 
quote unquote. You know, people say that you should never meet your heroes. I'm like, yeah, you should, because then you can figure out if they're real dudes or if they're assholes. Yes. Yes. And you can figure out and you can figure out like when when I got into the game, you know, and started hobnobbing and, you know, figuring out my space and meeting these people, um, very early on, I came up with the mentality of, could I hang out with this person? Right. If I could, if I could hang out with this person, then chances are I probably like their work more. And, you know, basically I fucks with you. If I can't hang out with you, it's like, you know, whatever, dog. You know what I mean? And uh, the whole thing of, you know, just from from afar, right? Um, which t- which kind of goes into like this whole comic skate thing, and it definitely the whole thing about comic skate ties into the other stuff that we were talking before, you know, politically and socially, right. so on and so. Um, comic skate is propagated um, by a bunch of cats who either started reading comic books in the '90s or professional wise um, were very popular in the '90s. Right. And the thing about 90s comic books is that 90s comic books were really toxic. Like, if you think about the early days of Image, if you think about the whole bad girl art movement, right? Um, you think about 90% of the comic books in the, in the 90s are unreadable. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I would say especially in 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 the indie space, um, and I would at that point I would I would count Image in the indie space, uh, definitely because it's definitely. It, it was a lot of it was, uh, uh, if not in, let me, let me rephrase that. It was Rob Liefeld. It was intentional parody and uh, quote unquote homage, uh, but like a lot of it was just like trying to figure out. Um, how to make as good a something as you had, you know, six months ago when you were working for Marvel. Um, I've watched a couple documentaries recently about that whole image kind of departure. And there's, you know, there's obviously varying stories because there was a lot of people involved, but kind Mm -hmm. of a a universal thing was that Todd McFarlane was kind of like, I'm the fucking superstar. You can't replace me. And when Marvel was like, sure we can, you're one care, like you're one factor of this book. Uh, so he quit and when they, they were trying to, you know, the other artists were trying to negotiate for better terms and better treatment. And he was like, nah, or we're leaving. Fuck y'all. So like, right. uh, like his position was yeah. like, no, this, this wasn't like a, this wasn't a discussion. This was a statement of intent. Like we are bouncing the fuck out of here. And then when they created that, like he had him and a couple other people had characters in pocket, like because they were going to introduce them in X-Force or they were going to introduce them in other books. So like Spawn was somebody from what I've read that was supposed to show up in Spider-Man at some point. And because he was like, fuck y'all, he just moved that to his own thing. Uh, uh, Brigade, uh, the the, fir- the cover of issue three, I think, of Young of uh, Youngblood that has Brigade on the cover and the Youngblood behind him. Um, I just recently read an interview with, with Rob Liefeld that said originally that was the X-Force characters. Like he had already drawn the cover. Um, mm-hmm. And he just, when he bounced, yeah, when he bounced, he just redrew the cover and now it was a, a Youngblood character. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was just like uh, a lot of stuff, a, lo- a lot of stuff was hodgepodge back in that era. 
And now when I look at stuff, there's that website right now that tracks all the Comicsgate stuff called uh, all the Comicsgate uh, uh, fundraisers called Indicron. And okay. just going through that list literally just gives me flashbacks to the 90s to all this shit that was just like garbage. And I, I remember seeing all these ads in Wizard for books that like didn't deserve to have ads in Wizard. <laughs> like I'm looking yeah. at it and I was like, I was yeah. like, people buy this? I'm like, how did you have how do you have enough, enough money yeah. to get an ad in Wizard? And like every month for three years. People buy this? I'm gonna tell you, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, dude. It's like, um, because you were you were like in single digits when that shit was popping off. Like I was in um I was in college and I was So you had full comprehension of the whole situation. Yeah, and I was working in a comic, you know, a comic book store at the time. I was like at ground zero of seeing all that stuff. And even with, you know, me at that point, you know, I was like 18, 19, looking at that stuff, it was like, I mean, a lot of it was sizzle and no steak, Yeah, you know? Um, a lot of it was catering to prepubescent boys and teenage boys, like, you know, and especially as a young artist coming up, and actually, it was because of Image and Milestone that, you know, kind of put the stamp on, like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to get into comics. Um, and for me, that was more so about uh, notions of independence, and then also notions about creating characters that looked like me, and that, you know, resonated for me. But, um, you know, looking at that as a young artist coming up during that time, I always knew that I wanted my stuff to say something. And a lot of these books weren't saying shit, yep. you know? Real um, talk. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, they weren't saying a goddamn thing. On top of that, you know, they were like, a lot of these books were like stroke fantasies for these prepubescent boys. Yep. And, and even as a you know, a young man, a young adult, I'm looking at the artwork for these things. I'm like, how does that even turn you on? I mean, it's like this dude can't draw the female form to save his life. Like, and and it gave me flashbacks to when I was 13 and I didn't really understand how to draw women and my women look like muscular men with basketballs on their chest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> as I'm trying to become a better artist and a, and a more well-rounded artist and seeing these other dudes with like this ridiculous grossly misshapen completely it is definitely not titillating you no. know what I mean it no. was I, not titillating art even um, I would say even because that was that was my early like me finding you know, those books and like the the infinite number of fucking swimsuit specials for even for books like warrior nun. And like, I always thought that was weird. Cause I'm like, this is supposed to be a nun. Why is there a swimsuit special warrior? Nun? Like nuns don't wear a swimsuit. Uh, yeah. By the way, it like just, real quick aside. If you had told me six months ago, if you told me six months ago that, that they were making a, a, a TV show out of the warrior nun series, I would have lost my mind because I'm like, you're fucking crazy. Like, it's not who would do that? She was a nun with cleavage. That doesn't make sense. Like, that makes no goddamn sense. Why would they do that? Uh, and then no, they did, and uh, it's actually decent. But uh, but it's like that. That to me made no sense. Like the like even as a teenager, I was like, 
why does the nun have cleavage? Why does, you know, Evangeline was supposed to be like an agent of heaven. I was like, she's showing a lot of skin for an agent of heaven. Like, right. like I just feel like right. heaven would be maybe a little bit more conservative. Uh, <laughs> at least through all the other representation of it in the media, you know what I'm saying? Like, Right. So, yeah, so you have, um, so what, what was also interesting about the 90s is like, yeah, you had that trash, right? But because of Neil Gaiman and also because of anime, that is when you began to see women coming to the cons Mm -hmm. in a big way, right? So, you know, I'm from the era and the generation that, um, you know, in the early days when I started going to cons really seriously in uh, 94, 93, 94, 94, um, you know, most of the women that you would see at the conventions would be uh, what are called booth babes, which would be like these, you know, models that would be at the booth, scandally clad. So, like, you know, these mouth-breathing, stink-butt dragon motherfuckers could, like, take a picture with them, you know, to, like, uh, look, I'm with this hot chick. Um, and it was sad. It, it was sad. Like, I remember, actually, this was, like, 07. It's, like, one of the last Booth Babe moments that I saw, and I had a table. And I was right across from um, this other table that had some booth babes. And uh, I would see, like, these dudes coming over taking pictures with them. And they look, oh, God, these dudes were troglodytes. And I just caught the eye of one of them looking over. And I was just like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like, I totally get it. And and what's also fascinating about that, so Neil Gaiman anime brings women real women like women who love comics you know what i mean um the thing that when i was a teenager in the 80s growing up if you found a cute girl that was into comics or video games or any of that shit she was a unicorn yep she was meant to be the grand prize adored and cherished like the mythical queen she was <laughs> you know what I mean? It was the grand prize uh, at the at the at the, at the everything, man. Right? Like, you know, now in 2020, you know, the industry, what they say, like, yeah, pretty much half of the buyers of comic books are um, female, are you know, women, um, and they aren't the booth babes. They are, you know, real women, um, artists, writers, cosplayers, fans, so on and so forth. Like the the Nirvana that I had dreamed of when I was thirteen and fourteen right. is been made real, and you've got these bitter beta motherfuckers bitching about the fact that you have people of the opposite sex that like the shit that you like that you could actually have the opportunity to get a date and have a conversation with if you fucking cut your hair, fucking brush your fucking teeth. Fucking wash your ass, put some deodorant, <laughs> and like a fucking troll. Hey, that's you, know what I mean? you would live a happier life, but no. Nah. You know they are encroaching on. They are encroaching on my little fantasy world. Fuck out of here, man. It's you know what I'm saying. It's very. That's how I feel about it, in a nutshell. But here, so here, here's so I've I've actually like I've I've, I've dipped a toe in into the world and and asked questions 
because I genuinely didn't understand the whole situation. To me, it just from on the surface, it was like, oh, you have people going out making indie comics. Like, I don't understand what is controversial about that. Um, and then they're talking about, you know, oh, well, there's this, you know, forced diversity in there. And I, I, I watched a video where this guy was like, oh, you know, my son like loves Captain America. But then like when I take him to the comic store, Captain America is black. And I was like, right. But there's also 40, 50 years of white Captain America. Like you got plenty of shit to, for him to read if he must read a, or you can explain to him what the fuck happened. Like it's a story. Tell him the story. Like, I, I don't understand. What is the problem here? And then people, you know, when they, when they, when Jane was Thor and they made this big fuck deal, oh, what's his name? Like, she can't be Thor. That's his actual name. And then, uh, it took me, it took me a while, but I didn't actually think it was that big a deal. Um, I also thought for a minute, like, okay, well that is his name. Like that is kind of like they could have given her a different name, but then I thought back and I'm like, oh wait, when Eric Masterson was Thor, uh, he didn't have a different name. Eric Masterson was fucking Thor. Uh, he was right. a different dude, and he was Thor. Um, right. I was like, "Oh wait!" I'm like, "Wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hold on!" Uh, 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 John Walker was Captain America. Uh, yeah. Even, even Sam Wilson took put the suit on for a, a specific issue because, and they made it was a beautifully written issue too. Because I remember reading it. Uh, he it was a situation where it was like a riot in a city, and he was he like crashed into a costume shop, and he tried to stop it. And they're like, they're not fucking listening to me. And he sees the suit, the suit in the costume shop, and he puts on a Captain America suit. Sam Wilson puts on a Captain America mm-hmm. suit, goes out there, and he starts calming people down, getting people organized. And he's like, they're not seeing the person under the suit. This is Captain America. This is the idea that is making these decisions and, 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 and calming people down. And like that was, and it was like a beautifully written comic. So that's why, honestly, when they did the the Sam Wilson Captain America book, I was disappointed in how they approached it because the way they approached it is that it the way they wrote it, it, it and this is what the feeling was that the whole fucking country was against him. It was clear that it was like a bunch of Republicans. It was a bunch of conservatives that didn't want. Like it was clear what they were writing, but the mm-hmm. but they didn't get it, it. They very much wrote it like the hood loved him, and America hated him. So basically, yeah. So it was again. That's a situation where the creator and editorial. That's where they fall fall down and fall apart, and that's kind of where, you know, the the pathology rears its ugly head subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so with the whole notion of like this forced diversity, what's happening is that you still have the people up top are the same motherfuckers, right? And you know, and they see like, oh, women buy this stuff, oh. Black people buy this stuff. Yep. So we, so we need, we need to cater to them. You know what I mean? That's what um, they did with they, Green Lantern. I mean, DC admit it's the one so much went so far as admitted that when they created John John Stewart, um, he was yeah. created as the Black Green Lantern. That was that his. Was that was it. Yeah, and that was its initial thing. That was the initial thing. Was like we needed a black character, so we made a Black Green Lantern because like that's a role that it's like a cop. Like, he can go to other people. Right, and, and that's the thing. And so, you know, change never comes from the top down. It always comes from the bottom up. 
So it was like, you know, oh my God, instance, can I just thank you for that statement? Because I've been I've been preaching that same fucking thing for fucking years. And it's just everybody that always talks about like, oh, like we need these masks. Like everybody that talks about like to, to go kind of to police brutality, like, oh, like the president needs to do. I'm like, the president doesn't control the police. Like, that's not how it works. You can't fix it from the top down. You have to start local like you have to fix it here. And then go up. Right. That's the same way. That's the same thing they did with marriage equality. Like thirty-four states had already legalized it, and then the president was like, "All right, fuck it." Like, right. Like, right. Like, you know, luckily, and luckily at that time we had a president that would be like, "You know what? Right, I've changed my mind on that." Right. You know what I mean? So, so deal with that. Um, I mean, and that's just, that's the same thing with every with anything, right? That's the same thing with anything. It's like you don't go to the mainstream in the beginning. The mainstream comes to you. And so, like, you know, like, for instance, you know, we go back to uh, the story of John Stewart. It was like originally his name was supposed to be like Washington Freeman or some shit like Jesus that. And Christ. then, Neil, and, and, yeah, and then Neil Adams was like, you know, that's a slave name. And it was Neil Adams who made that comment, which changed, you know, that character's name to John Stewart. And then later on, a couple decades later, it took the wherewithal of Bruce Tim, where he was like, "Yo, all right, Green, you know, we're doing the Justice League cartoon. We're gonna have Green Lantern in there. Fuck how? How about we bring John in there? Yeah, right. And and the thing about John, one of the reasons why John became the Green Lantern for a generation, is because you know he was also written like a man. He wasn't written like a black man. He wasn't written like a white person's approximation of a black man. Yes. It was written like a man. Yes. Period. Yes. And it was uh, Phil Lamar's, you know, voice acting, which gave John Stewart resonance. I love Phil like Lamar. Was- and like when I found out that he was John Stewart, I was like, oh shit, that makes me so happy because I really like him. Yeah. I mean, it was the same thing with Carl Lumby being the voice of Martian Manhunter that made everybody understand that Martian Manhunter was black. And that's a very interesting. Always, that's exactly my. I was about to say the same thing. It's always been very interesting to me that that Martian Manhunter has always been portrayed as black, except in the comics, his persona is white. But otherwise, since but, since the nineties, oh, yeah. But again, because of you know what's brought into the play, um, you know that that goes a little bit side note into like voice acting and cartoons, right? And that's the thing. It's like we know what's authentic. Right, our ears hear it. That's like that's why in Thundercats we always know that Panthro is black because the voice of Panthro was Grandpa Huxtable. No you know shit. what I mean? And I never, yeah, I never watched that show. Of, I never watched that show. Never watched the Thundercats? Yeah, the original Thundercats. Like, that's interesting. He was voiced by Grandpa Huxtable. That's of, cool. You know, that's very interesting. That's why Panthro is black, right? That's why with like the new iterations of Thundercats, like I saw the, like not the new, new one where it's like all cartoony and cutesy, but the other one where it was medieval and whatnot. And I saw that Panther, I'm like, that ain't Panther. That is not Panther. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't put a, black, they didn't put a black voice actor. Oh, that's and even, stupid. And even, and even design wise, Panthro in the original um, Thundercats cartoon does have African features. He does, like, like there, there, there are some things that I'll are. I'll be honest. I always, I always just figured 
He was he was the black dude. I like I like I see like I didn't know, but I just kind of always figured. So like, like to hear it, that, yeah, that is weird. That is weird because they anthropomorphic series is very interesting to me. I was actually just reading an update on the SWAT cats uh, kind of uh, Kickstarter that I was part of, and they're still trying to make that show happen. But I always thought that was an interesting show as well because they had different. It it was effectively like a subversive way to have cultural like diversity in a, in a show because they had all sorts of different cats. Like right. like they had a variety of different cats, and it wasn't you know, you could like, they had different voices. They had like, everything was diverse about it because it was cats. So like, it's not, you know, it's, it's like, it was a very subversive way to do it. So anthropomorphized shows is very interesting to me. But then like this whole recent thing where you had all these white characters, uh, white, I'm sorry, white uh, actors bouncing from shows that they were portraying uh, pe- people of color. Um, I found it very strange and I- I'll tell you why. Um, my initial thought when I when I first was watching uh, The Simpsons, before I knew anything about voice acting, voice acting in general, um, I always saw uh, Apu as an Indian man, and yeah. I always I, I always I feel like I always knew that this was a humorous and exaggerated depiction of an Indian man. Right. But what it did is it made me interested in the culture. It made me interested in in the in the like the, the religion was very interesting to me I, just, I was very curious about it so like i i went on to do research and was very was more attracted to things like when virgin comics did its uh uh comic books that were from based yeah. on indian characters like i, I was super into that because that was all, it all kind all of it, it kind of built all on itself and i was very interested in it but i feel like that kind of all goes back to apu like and yeah, later I learned it was a white dude voicing him, but then yeah, culturally obviously that brings in problems because he's doing a like a like a exaggerated like, you know, spoof voice of an Indian man. So like that's then you're like when you, when you watch him do it, like in an interview when he's doing it, you're just like you feel like you shouldn't be doing that, man. <laughs> like like you yeah. You shouldn't yeah. like that's you that's it, you're making fun of somebody right there like and that's kind of what it felt like yeah. and to see yeah to but then to see this whole recent kind of move of oh like uh, uh Kristen bell she was leaving and she made this big stink about it and i th- it, it felt like it felt like it yes oh my god yes it felt like virtue signaling so hard because i was like you're just falling on a sword that wasn't there. Like nobody was out here saying like, oh, this, you know, these characters on this cartoon show. Cause I, I've personally always felt that what you see is, is when you're a child, at least is more resonating than what you hear as far as like how, how a, like something sounds, you hear the sound of a a cow. When you hear a cow in real life, they don't sound like the little machine that tells you how a cow sounds. Like, but you, you, you resolve that once you get older. So like, I, I thought it was weird, but then I recently, with this, we actually talked about this on the last podcast. I recently found out that they wrote that role for her. Like the creator of the show was like, she was always going to be this character and this character was always meant to be voiced by her. And then, so then, then it goes back to what you said. You have the same people in charge, you know, this dude decided that he was going to write but he was he he was gonna write a mixed race character that was always meant to be voiced by a white woman. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that in and of itself, if you're if that was your intent, that is the problem. The problem yeah, began before she got the job. Right. It's not it's not Kristen Bell's problem. It's the like, person of her. You know, again, you know, not top down, bottom up, right? And so, like, for instance, you know, going back, having this all tied into Comicsgate, right? Um, You know, this is the 90s before social media, right? So you really did not have the opportunity to see how your quote-unquote favorite creator was like behind closed doors, right? That's true. Um, Although... You know, I would, as an artist, I would argue where people were like, um, can you separate the art from the artist? I'm like, no, you can't, because in all honesty, as artists, when we are creating something, we are revealing a bit of our soul. So whatever work you see from Fuck, that now artist. Now I can't listen to Chris Brown no more. <laughs> yeah, so you said that, and now I can't listen to Chris Brown no more. You know, you know <laughs> I'm just I'm just that type of cat. There are certain artists like from Jump. I was like I had a problem with like I had well before I knew what a piece of trash he was. I had a problem with R. Kelly from Jump. Right? Really? Like yeah, because I'm like there was just something about that motherfucker. I was just like mm. like you know I would hear some of the songs like you remind me of your Jeep. Like the fuck is that about? Like I want to write what you know like like <laughs> he was. T- you know, there was some stuff like he was telling on himself, like Aaliyah's the title of Aaliyah's first album, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. You know, that whole that thing he was, was so weird because I remember learning about that in the 90s and I thought it was weird. Then it was creepy then. So, like, the whole thing about comics, like, for instance, EVS, you know, and how you know how he has become the poster boy of this whole comics, comic skate thing. It's like, if you really think about it, EVS draws like a fascist. Like, his stuff is, you know, it's it's technically, I would say, you know, it technically looks good, you know? You've got all the hatching and the cross-hatching and all that other shit, but it's stiff as a board. There's no life to it. There's no energy to it. There's no spark to it, right? It's technically beautiful, emotionally empty. Um, but that's just me. But now with, um, you know what, like I, 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 so I am the kind of person that I don't, I like consuming things where people go into like this kind of depth on how things are done. So like I listen to a a podcast called explain the X-Men, uh, fantastic podcast. They go in on like the social, the, the, the political, everything around the book, how it's written, the themes, everything. Like, I love it. I, when I read, don't go that deep into it. I just, I personally feel like I don't have the, I don't have the necessary information to like, I like, I hated doing book reports, like (laughs) having to discern a theme of something that I'm reading. Like if I don't get the point, like then you didn't write it well enough. If I got to do research to figure it out, I feel like you didn't write it well enough. So like, yeah, (laughs) right. Like if I don't know what this was about, um, you did you did it wrong. So, like, listening to a lot of the shit, is, I'm very interested. So, like, you saying that, like, now I'm looking at a piece from, like, Green Lantern Rebirth because that's kind of, like, my, really my only 
like litmus test for for EVS is like that's where I first experienced his art, and that's kind of the only thing I've ever read from him. Like other Green Lantern stuff that he's done, um, and like when you describe it that way, like I see it, I see it, and I remember I remember seeing. Uh, uh, there was that moment where I don't know if you've read Green Lantern Rebirth, but like there's the moment where uh, 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 um, Ollie uses the ring just to generate one single arrow. And like the words tell the story of like it cost so much and it, it was so hard. And I feel like that was the only moment in that whole series where the art reflected it. Because mm. everything else mm. was like even when they did that whole big like, you know, seven, seven Green Lanterns or whatever defending against the, the, mm. the entity and they all kind of were badass. I was like, it it feels like Hollywood badass. It feels like. This is the big moment. The camera pans out. Everything is bright and loud, but like there's no there's no meaning behind it. It, it, it is the what has now been the dub the 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 big sky beam at the end of the movie, right? It's just this big thing. It's bright. It's loud, but it doesn't mean anything. And that's right, very interesting right. that you say that because like now I see it. I always thought it was strange that he he like that he became kind of the the main dude. And I honestly think the only reason he did is because he made kind of a big stink when he left. Like he made a big deal about him leaving. And then he was like, I'm doing battle toad or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, Cyber frog again. It's the same fucking thing. And I read, I, he said, I'm doing, I'm going back to my original creator own work. Cyber frog. I read that. And I was like, that piece of shit. (laughs) That's what you're doing. You like this. When I, yeah, when I saw that dude, like okay dog see the thing about the thing about evs is that for a brief moment we were facebook friends mm. and you know then i would pay attention to some of the shit that it was writing this is well before comic skate right so i think this was a good like what eight years before comic skate oh wow you know oh yeah so he was a dish he was a douche biscuit for our for a while right you know what i mean like he was just he was just a dick for a while. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and now, yeah, like he found his crew. See, that's another thing about, you know, douche, douche biscuits. And this is the reason why a lot of supervillain plans don't win, don't pan out because they wind up fighting amongst each other. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like assholes always want to be the biggest asshole and when they're around another asshole, eventually those two assholes will, one of them will try and turn into a dick and try to fuck the other one. Right. So, you know, <laughs> you know, so like his big meltdown was because, you know, he got kicked off of the mountain of assholes. Right. right? And again, with Comic Skate, you know, I look at and I saw some bits of some of the, Books that they do um and you know their whole argument is that we want to we just want to make comics fun again right we, you know on politics in our comics which is ironic because every comic that they read in the 90s was you know you had some shady, some shady government agency that the group was either fighting against or some shady government agency created the superhero mm-hmm. or some shady government agency um assassinated Com- uh, comics are an inherently uh, political medium and to say anything else is fucking idiotic exactly so 
you know, what they basically, these comic skaters want to do is they want to create 90s image comics again. And they have, and their books suck. I'm sure they do. You know, for for a large part. Dude, I right? saw, I, again, I went through the list one day because I was like, all right, let me see what these books are. Like, what's, what's, what are they, what are they pitching? Like, and then I'm going through and I'm like, oh my God, it's the 90s again. Because you have shit that is literally described. One of them was, what if, what if the, like, classic movie monsters were the X-Men? I was like, that's your pitch? That's the pitch. That's a terror. First of all, you can't pitch by using another comic book's name. <laughs> As a man. Like that sounded like the pitch for Paramount's whole Dark Universe shit. <laughs> or universe. That's exactly what that pitch was, I, and that's exactly why we don't have damn movies right now. I, it's because I was, that shit. You know what pisses me off though? That that the 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 Dracula movie was good. It was a good fucking movie, and I was excited. Actually, secretly, secretly, if they wanted to do Dark Universe, they still could. They did. There, there was the DNA there, like you said, Dracula Untold. Could have been part of the DNA. If they it was did supposed to be. Mu- the mummy different. If they did the mummy different, it could have been part of the DNA. It still if could. They did, right, like, because they started off with the remake of The Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro, who looks like a wolfman in half transformation all day. <laughs> you know? I mean, they, they had, if, and this ties into Comicsgate, this also ties into their quote-unquote enemy, the SJW Comics, which that they're bitching about DC and Marvel is this all ties in, right? It all boils down to intent. Yes. Okay. It all boils down to what are you intending to do with the material? Like, for example, reason why dark universe failed and universal failed in that mold is because literally they wanted to make the universal monsters, the X-Men, yeah, they did. They had no plan. Yeah, other than making Universal Monsters the X Men. C D C E U, no plan. Right, shit is in shambles. Exactly, D C E U fell the shit apart because you know they wanted to, they wanted to rush, you know, the success that Marvel had. Marvel was smart. They built it up with you know with the individual movies. E C could have actually done the opposite if they did it. If they did it right. You could have started with Justice League yeah. and then done individual movies to like build it up. Which, if you see Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman, that you know what I mean? It's like, oh, this is what the DCEU could have been. Right. right. So, you know, going into that, right, you know, with Comicsgate, it's like their intention, you can see this, is not to make good material. Their intention is not to make um, characters that resonate, characters that last. Because if you do that, that means you actually have to care about the story. That means that you actually have to put more into the story than what is, you know, there on the surface, right? Again, a lot of these cats, you know, who are comic, comic gate fans probably started reading comic books when they were 10, when they were 12 the image era right right? the creators of it were the guys who were either making their biggest money during that time you know what i mean or just broke in around that time right so what they see is that they see that their mode of storytelling is going the way of the dodo 
and then instead of trying to actually create resonant material, right? Because apparently, I guess if you look at their books, they really don't have any deep thoughts. You know what I mean? Or they want to make anything with commentary. So they're ra- so they're railing against, you know, the whole thing of like, well, I'm being shut out because, you know, last year I had 40 superheroes that looked like me. This year I only have 39. And that's some bullshit, you know? That's how they feel about it. Yeah. Right? Um, business-wise, DC and Marvel fucked up the whole diversity thing because, again, you have this top-down sort of thought process where the top is like, oh, the world is diverse, so we should create characters that match that world. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Creating a new character is going to cost us money because... Yeah. If that character takes off, we need to pay residuals to that creator. So fuck that. Let's just take a character from our Does Marvel really pay residuals? Huh? Does Marvel pay residuals? Yeah, they have to. Actually, Jim Starlin was salty because he said he made more money off of Batman versus Superman where they had his version of the KG Beast in there than he did off of the Marvel movies where they used Thanos. Because he created Thanos, right? I just I just like, bought the uh, the art book from uh, from from uh, what's like, like for instance like Marv Wolfman for years was fighting with Marvel um, to get some of that Blade money because he co-created Blade. You see what I'm saying? Interesting. So yeah, so it's like you know that's the reason why DC and Marvel you know people are like DC and Marvel need to create new characters. They won't, and no, they do not. You know what I mean? They no, they do not because you know they have thousands and thousands of characters in their stable. And I honestly don't think they. Well, I I feel like DC does need to because I feel like their their catalog is as far whiter than than Marvel's. Uh, Again, the thing about DC, um, the thing that DC was riding on for so many years once again was their death row. Marvel Milestone Media, right. and if they actually and if they actually go into Milestone, go to Milestone, and develop those characters for other media, got to come up with that Skrilla. Because guess you know what but, I mean. But but like you look at something. Because guess what happened when they put Static on TV? It was like four fucking seasons. It was a successful exactly. ass TV show. Exactly, it was extremely successful, and Milestone got got some checks from that. I would right? I would very yeah. very much love to see, like an icon movie or or show even because I feel like he's got more of a, a rich diverse history. I feel like an icon show exactly. would be very exactly. interesting. Again, no, it would be successful. It would be very successful. Um, but that you know these are these are some of the reasons. Like for instance, you know everybody saw about Milestone coming back. Milestone, you know, coming back. Why haven't they come back? Is because of that relationship that distributor relationship, right? If Milestone was truly its own company, you know what I mean, not distributed through DC, Milestone arguably can come back, you know, anytime that they wanted to, especially now that they've settled um, their issues with uh, Dwayne McDuffie's widow. They can come back anytime that they want to. But, you know, because that, you know, they're distributed by DC, they are beholden to Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers doesn't know what the fuck they have. 
No, you know what I mean? Don't, they don't know so, what the fuck they're doing with anything. Look at like right. we we did a whole podcast basically about the whole uh, HBO Max versus DC Universe fight because for some reason that's a fight even though it's the same company. Right. You could yeah they could just fold that in you know. Um, on the flip side, Disney is smart in the fact that Disney knows to leave well enough the fuck alone if it's working. Yeah. So like with Marvel, yeah, with definitely the Marvel the MCU, Disney was like. With Iron Man, oh, the event, yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all know what you're doing, yeah, y'all straight, yeah, do what you need to do, right? Um, what's interesting yeah, because that's, about- that's a very that's a very interesting point because Disney came in, they bought Marvel, and they were like, yeah, you guys are killing it, go on about your business, right? And the reason why they bought Marvel was just to shore up um, the young boys market, yeah, because um, they they didn't have that, you know what I mean? Like oh Disney, God, you know. Right. Disney was the- yeah, Disney had the princesses, right? So Disney had the girl market all locked down. For decades. Um, Disney, yeah, for decades. Dis- but Disney did not have the little boy market uh, locked down at all. They had As Star Wars, fact, but Star Wars audience is older by default. Exactly. Oh, nice. And what happened, and this is exactly what happened, okay? So 2008 was, in my opinion, that was the turn. Because 2008, two movies came out. Iron Man and the Dark Knight. And they really revolutionized the game. And what I said when when that happened, I said, okay, number one, you are going to see a shitload more of screenwriters coming out with graphic novels. You know what I mean? Um, to get their shit turned into movies. Yep. And then I said, number two, uh, what you're going to see is you're actually going to see... Um, Movie studios um, try to start graphic novel lines in order to build an audience for whatever crap movies they came out. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, and you had a couple of experiments in that when that happened. You had crap movies like My Super Ex-Girlfriend, so on and so forth. Even Disney, for a hot second, Disney tried to um, come out with their own graphic novel line based on their rides. I know this because I had a friend who was working on that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean comic, you know, uh, Return to Space Mountain comic, you know, like think along those lines. But with Disney, you know, Disney did the move that I didn't think what would happen. I didn't think of that. Disney was like, well, fuck trying to develop our shit. (laughs) There's Marvel. You know what I mean? Right. Let's let their shit. Um, and here's the thing. Despite what was his name? Um, Ike. Ike Perlmutter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, you know, was again about that racist bullshit and whatnot. Um about the racist bullshit, you, about the he's he's a he's a, he was a problem. Yeah, he was yeah, he was what academically we would say is problematic. On the streets, we say he's on some bullshit. Right. But, uh, but you know, but despite that, because Marvel, as we talked about with DC and Marvel, um, the thing that Marvel has baked into its DNA, as opposed to DC, is that DC may have the icons of the superheroic myth in their stable. Right. But Marvel has the black... Superhero, superheroic icons. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. That's why. You know? That's why I think the Marvel the Marvel catalog is so much more diverse, and they know, especially in the films now, they know how to turn right. that into something. Uh, Iron Man, like realist yeah. talk, Iron Man was not the most popular character when they decided we're going to do an oh. Iron Man movie, but they fucking and knocked was- it out the park. Yeah, they did because they was they were smart about it because, you know, after they went bankrupt in the nineties, right? Um, that's when they started, you know, selling the rights to characters to Sony and Fox and yada yada yada. Um, again, as we all know, and I say as we all know because everybody now admits it, is that you know, Blade was the template for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh my god, it was. I love yeah, Blade. Blade is the template for the MCU. I wish Way I more- wish Wesley hadn't lost his shit on that third one, because but you know what? I'll say this at the same time on that third movie, like looking at it again, I could see why less why Wesley lost his shit. <laughs> you, you know what I'm he, saying? Well, like, here's the thing that the, the lot of it's so weird. There's actually scenes where you can see in the movie that made the final cut where his stunt double was in place because he just wouldn't do it. Yeah, like he no, wouldn't that, get out of the trailer. <laughs> no, that beef between him and Goyer was real. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, but uh, regardless of that, it was like even um, even with the Sony movies and the Fox movies, like the early days of the Marvel movies, you know what I'm saying, was super hit or miss, right? Extremely super hit or, hit or miss. Yeah. Like the only good thing about the Daredevil movie is Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. Literally, that's the only good he thing did, about that He movie. did wreck that role. You're right. He, he was the only that. good was the only good part of that movie right yeah it, it, but, it's actually very funny i i, I watched the uh the like extended cut of uh electra which has a different the dream sequence she has the dream sequence she has actually ties back into to it like has his cameo in it it has uh affleck's yeah. cameo and i was like oh okay well, so now i know this happens in that same universe because otherwise you have no fucking clue like this isn't related it I, it Claims to be. Right. right. Like when when Marvel did their own studios and it, it took those movies for them. It took those movies being successful for them to go ahead and do Iron Man. And, you know, what's interesting about that is like Iron Man, the movie in 2008 kind of serves the same function that Amazing Fantasy 15 does for uh, Marvel Comics, period. Yeah. Because Amazing Fantasy 15 was the first appearance of Spider-Man, yep. which set this whole motherfucker off into motion. Um, Iron Man plays that same role in the MCU. You know what I mean? Because people were tired of Spider-Man movies and stuff like that. X-Men movies collectively are trash, with the exception of Logan. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Deadpool. Uh, one and two. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I think X two is really good. I think X two was a really good movie. I think I actually liked X three because it got a little more ridiculous. It got a little more comic booky. Uh, I, I, they, they did in that movie. Sadly, what DC did in a lot of their animated movies recently, which is take like two to five different storylines and just jam them together, and that shit doesn't and- work. <laughs> Poorly and yeah. poorly. So, okay. So, side note: X franchise. There are only a couple decent movies. Like, I will give it. Yeah, X two was decent. I will definitely give that. 
to you, right? Logan is incredible. Um, There's no question about that. Logan, Logan is the high water mark. Logan, Logan was like the X Men movie. I waited all these goddamn other movies to see. Like that was like, like yeah. that was the X Men yeah. movie. I waited to see. Um, of course, Deadpool one and two, and I don't even like Deadpool as a character, but the movie in the comics, but the movies, I'm like, I get it. You know what yeah. I mean? I get yeah. who Deadpool is, right? I even liked uh, X Men First Class because it was doing a reboot of it. But in general, those X movies are trash. They're, they they're are. always lacking. They, they're always lacking follow through. They're always lacking follow through. It's whatever they bring up. They, they you bring the apocalypse in, but it's like eh, kind of like he's well, the there reason, and he's badass, but like so much. The reason why it doesn't have the follow through is because and Olivia Munn, Olivia Munn has said this in interviews. It's like none of the filmmakers read the X Men comics. That, and that's why that's why I like X three the most because Ratner for all his fucking you know like buffoonery uh, he read that shit and he put in some really key interesting moments but again it was it was along the it was it was along this line of shit that just like none of it made sense. <laughs> Make the Dark Phoenix saga the B story of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> But it was just you, like you, he, you, he you took just, he took these key moments just, like the 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 cure storyline was uh, I think Joss Whedon's probably best work in comics personally um, the cure storyline mm-hmm. which was in the Astonish X books in the first few arc or in the few, first few issues like with uh, but that was wasn't that after X three no because they had Dr. Astonishing X Men yeah. They had Dr. Kavita Rao in the movie. One through... The John Cassidy drawing? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... It was actually X-Men was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but it... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go. It, God, but that's I the just thing. had my first old moment. <laughs> Well, no, it's just like it it, it. it seems like it seems like it's more recent because it's better than what you remember, like the early two thousands to have been. Like you had that little bit, you had that little bit of early two thousands that was really good with, um, with, not sadly not Claremont. I like the Claremont stuff. Uh, I now realize a lot of it was callback, like the Revolution X Men line when they like re- redesigned everybody. Yeah. A lot of it was callback, and oh, I didn't Claire- know that. But then, like, when uh, Millar took over, when Millar took over, that was good, but it, it was short-lived. And then, apparently, the most hated fucking run in X-Men history, from what I've seen on the internet, is Chuck Austin. And then, after that is when you had the the Astonishing book. But that was all, like, by 2005. And uh, So, wait. Because that was... Because, um, let me see. I think it was Astonishing. Wait. Are you talking about the Miller run, or are you talking about the uh, Morrison run? I'm sorry, Morrison, Morrison. I, Morrison. Yeah, the Morrison run. Yeah, with uh, um, with uh, with Frank Quietly right. and all that stuff. Because the Astonishing X-Men right. book, came, 2004. Astonishing X-Men number one was 2004. Um, gotcha, okay. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they brought in Kavita Rao, they brought in that Cure story, and it was a good story in the comic, but then they just kind of did this eh thing. And then to bring Beast, who I think... You know, the beast that they portrayed at the beginning of the movie is the beast that was already fine with who he was. So to have him have these moments of like, oh, you know, cure, I could look normal again. He's a grown ass man now. Like he's he's been doing shit. He's, he's he got over this a long time ago. You've been blue for yeah, you've been blue for thirty five years. Like now you like come yeah, on. Yeah, no, and that's and that's what bothered me about that is like 
itself blue. So it's not like... right. It was very, it was it's very much like... like you had you had these like gems, and like the the Callisto storm fight. Like that is an important thing, but it is an important thing on its own. Exactly, exactly, and that's you know, and speaking to that, and speaking how. Disney, in spite of itself, corrected itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of the nature, uh, well, the MCU, because of the nature of the MCU, how it corrected itself, you know, right? From Jump, you know, with Iron Man, we got Rhodey Rhodes. I mean, really, when, you know, the stinger, when we see Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, you know, oh, I know collectively. Th- there's another version like, of that. <laughs> you know, Th- you know, there's another version of that? No. There's another version of that scene with a completely different dialogue because they had planned, they had initially planned to buy everything back. So that scene where he says, uh, he's like, you don't know, basically it was like, you don't know anything about like, you know, radioactive spiders and mutants and, you know, like he lists yeah. all this shit that they couldn't list so that they, well, they redid it. So yeah, so he's like, you know, the Avengers Initiative. But yeah, but that I, I shit myself was... when I saw that. Like Sam Jackson coming through, I was yeah. like, yeah, that's perfect. Like that's that's a perfect casting. And so cinematically, you know, cinematically, the MCU always was on point with, um, you know, bringing in bringing in the breadth of characters and you know uh, the diversity of characters organically, yeah. right? before people were again taking notice about diversity being a big thing this was organically being brought in yeah on the flip side what i'd like to call uh the dcw (laughs) though they call it the Arrowverse. i call it the dcw um they were also brilliant in terms of you know diversity naturally happening yeah on those shows you know from straight from jump from arrow you know what i mean from arrow to flash and honestly According to Dwayne McDuffie's Rule of Three, um, before Black Lightning, The Flash was the blackest show in the Arrowverse because you had Iris, you know, you got Joe, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Then you had Wally come in, and then, you know, we got Joe's wife in there. I, I thought it was very interesting. Um, so th- there, I remember the the argument back when they made Fantastic Four's the, uh, Johnny Storm uh black uh and they made that whole family black and except for some reason sue storm's not black and i was like all right so either he's adopted or she's adopted like before the movie came out like we you know we had all these theories but then you had people being like oh but it like it doesn't make sense johnny storm's white i'm like yeah but nothing about johnny storm requires him to be white like nothing nothing about him so like for me i have no problem with 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 changing characters like that because there nothing defines like bruce wayne would have a very different story if he was black. Right. So Bruce Wayne can't be black. Batman can be black all day long. I don't give a shit. You can you Bruce, give me a you can give me a good black Batman. I'd love it. I think it'd be fucking fantastic. Hawk movie. I would say if Bruce Wayne was black, he'd be Nighthawk. You know. Right. Exactly. Uh, and like you, but like and the like same thing with like you look at Miles versus Peter. Peter right. Parker needs to be white. He grew up in suburban New York in a time when. If you were a black smart kid, it would have been a different life. Right. That just, right. you got to tell the story differently. Like right. you can't, and if you don't, you're ignoring that part of it. Um, so that, if you're going to change shit and like 
Sue Storm, like none of that. They were just smart. They were smart people. That's all. Like they could all be black. The entire Fantastic Four can be black. Like there's nothing about them that requires them to be white. That's it. They're all just smart and curious. Except for, you know, I mean, with the exception of history, right? Right. And and when it comes to the quote unquote whitewashing of characters, it also depends. What I've seen is that it depends on the popularity of the character. Right. Right. So, for example, you know, people were up in arms of Michael B. Jordan playing Johnny Storm. But in all honesty, in all of comic fandom, how many cats have you ever heard them say like, yo, Johnny Storm, that's my favorite fucking character Zero. of all time. Zero. Yo, <laughs> you, you, you Not know what I'm a one. And I know some nerds. Solitary person. And that movie sucked not because Michael B. Jordan was black. It was because Josh Trank made a suck ass movie. And it was, um, it was, it was he, well, it was also that, but it was also the fact that the studio took over and you can literally see if, I don't know if you watched it, which anyone that hasn't shouldn't. I saw it once. Yeah, me too. We and saw I, it once. I, I, it was the only, it was the closest I ever got to walking out of a theater, but I was just like, I'm a completionist. So I had to see the whole thing, but you can see where the studio takes over. Cause it says one year later and then the costumes are like the, the, the behavior is different. The, the, uh, the hair is longer. Like shit is just like Johnny storm is all of a sudden like a company man, like working with the government. Like he was a rebel three scenes ago. Like, yeah, I saw that movie. I saw that movie on HBO and I almost walked out of the theater. Um, that's, <laughs> that's just leaves the house, leaves the TV running. Like, fuck it. I'm not, I can't even do it. Can't even do it. <laughs> it was, and it's funny. Cause like, and you see, and that's, that really goes into like, uh, per, like performative bullshit and, and, and virtue signaling. Uh, Josh Trank came out with a movie this year. Uh, uh, Capone, I think, um, with uh, the guy that played Venom and, it's been four fucking years since Fantastic Four came out, but now all of a sudden Josh Trank is vocal about, oh, like I really wanted Sue Storm to be black, and like I can't believe they didn't let me make her black, and like all this shit he would have done. I was like, whatever, dog. It's been four <laughs> fucking years, but now, like now you have a new movie out, therefore you got some word, some shit to say. Fuck out of here. And yeah, and and you see, I'm gonna both sides this shit. Um, you see the performative on both ends of the spectrum. You see the performative. Um, with the comic skaters, you see the performative, mm-hmm. with the people who declare themselves social justice warriors, so on and so forth. Um, it's, you know, again, it all boils down to intent um, of your subject, you know, the intent of why you're making this thing, and also the authenticity um, in creating the subject matter. Right. Right? Like, at the end of the day, people can smell what's authentic and what's, you know, not authentic. Like you said earlier. And, yeah. Right. And and also, you know, this this kind of ties into, you know, the subculture of comics that I'm in, um, you know, which is the black comics movement. So on and so forth, right? Um, you know, we have don't get me wrong, we have a lot of amazing books coming out of the black comics movement. Like just amazing shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, great stuff. Uh, Crescent City Monsters, Tuskegee Airs, you know, shit like Bitter Root. I mean, the, uh, Marcus does, Marcus just started, uh, I don't know if how many, or other, not just started, but I just recently saw that Marcus, who does Tuskegee Airs, he did a series of art 
that was uh, Wakanda crossed over with Zamunda, and it was like it was like the purest joy I ever felt looking at it because I fucking love like I love coming to America. So like to see both of those things, I was like, fuck, that's amazing. <laughs> like, and that's you know, and 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 that stuff is cool. Like you know, with the Black Comics movement, seeing more Latino creators come out there, um, so on, doing these stories, they're they're all fine and good. Um, at the same time, you know, we kind of learned this in the late 90s, early 2000s, this black comics game. It's like, just because the character is black don't mean that the book is good. Yes. Just because that the creators are black don't mean that the book is good. Right. And the best books coming out of black comics um, are those books that have intention, that have deeper meaning that have resonance behind it you know what i'm saying like you know bitter root works because that shit is good it's just a good fucking story like crescent city monsters is just a great fucking story you know with great art tuskegee airs it's a great story like you know it's it's all about and also the thing about those books is that they're also diverse in content you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not everybody is doing superheroes. You know what I mean? Not every book has to be Afrofuturistic, even though that is the realm that I'm firmly placed in because of the Horseman, which is fine. You know what I mean? Which is fine. That was my intention. Right. Right. Uh, well, with with my books and whatnot. Um, but yeah, definitely um, in terms of books. With resonance, it's got to be more than the surface, you know. Like most '90s comics, you know, not just not just from um, Image, but also from DC and Marvel. Like most of those early '90 books were trash. They were empty. They were devoid of substance. They were all for money grabs, right? And so the comic gators are trying to defend that money grab era. Or they're trying to get back to that money grab era, right? And they're all pissed about. They're also pissed at the fact that they got competition. And the thing about it is, is that they have competition from black creators, from Latin creators, from Asian creators, from women creators, from transgender creators, so on and so forth. And on top of that, in all honesty, these comic gates cats, their material does not appeal to these different majority audiences. Right. And the audience that they that they do appeal to may have more disposable income but it is a shrinking audience right and that is why they are losing their shit like they are losing their shit because point blank period they are not on the top of the mountain yeah and in all honesty if their books disappear tomorrow nobody would give a fuck about that it's very true. It's very true. I, uh, I, 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 what I've found the most interesting is seeing people of color in the comics gate conversation. Um, I, so I like got hyped to this whole thing through, uh, uh, there was a post on one of the collector groups and they had like screenshotted a tweet and, uh, it was Mike S Miller. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike S Miller had gotten like kicked out of the, the Dupe or not the Dupe, the, uh, the, uh, um, in Michigan, uh, North Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids Comic Con. He had gotten kicked out of Grand Rapids Comic Con. 
and somebody said, good, he's like a piece of shit or a monster. Or like they had said like this really like aggressive thing. I was like, Jesus, that's a, that's a, like, all right, let me see who this dude is. Like, what the fuck did he do? And then I look it up and from what I could tell, he's just like an indie creator. And so he was doing these live streams. And so I jumped on, I'm watching and you know, I asked questions. I was like, what, like, what is the big deal? Like, what is the whole like situation? What is the point? What is the, like, why are you making this a thing? Like, if you want to make indie comics, why can't you just make indie comics? Like this is at that time it was 2018. You know, I was like, it's 2018. Like the, the internet has been around for a decade now strong for a, a wide like audience. You, you could just make comics and sell them online to the people that like your shit. Like you don't have to work at Marvel. So like making a big deal. Oh, like, well, I don't know. I don't like how they want me to you know draw or write or whatever. Captain America or whoever make your own. Like that's, the freedom we have. And I just didn't understand. And they're like, oh, but they're doing this, you know, this forced diversity. And then they're, you know, changing who these characters are and this, that, and the other thing. And what it really ended up feeling to me was that they're just stuck on this one representation of who this character is. And it, mm-hmm. it, it goes into, it's, it, it's, it's something I've seen in a lot of different places where uh, there was a recent example of, uh, 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 um, uh, Tracy, I forget his, I forget his last name from, from 30 rock. Um, Morgan, Tracy Morgan. Thank you. Uh, Tracy Morgan had tweeted something, uh, that like did not align with what his character on 30 rock, like behaves like, or would say. So all these people that are 30 rock fans, all these white people, realistically, I think from where I can tell most people who watch 30 rock are white people, uh, <laughs> uh, had seen his tweet and were like, why would you say such a thing? Like just, they were just like blown away and they were like appalled. I'm like, but yeah, he's a person. He gets to have his own feeling. He does. He's not this character. That's Tracy Morgan too. It's like, (laughs) it's like really don't know who Tracy Morgan is. Exactly. If you, if you first experienced Tracy Morgan at 30 rock, you do not know who (laughs) Tracy is at all. Right. Exactly. So like people are looking at, and like they're, 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 they box these, characters in you know comics they're like captain america is this white dude who you know does this kind of thing and everything in in smaller levels this has happened anytime that marvel or dc has done like a little something to the side and done something different with a character they get mad because this isn't the character i like this isn't the character so then yeah again that ties back into you know societal issues where we started in the beginning that ties into the pathology right like think about it like think about it like this okay um all right i'm just gonna say it uh it seems as if the person who identifies as white cannot empathize with any other culture or identify with any other culture that is not what has been what has been labeled as white right um, on the flip side, every other, um, you know, again, people, people of color, um, have been trained, you know, some might say forced to identify with people that don't look like them. Yeah. Right. If we look in our, you know, if we classically look at our media, you know, 
we've been forced to identify with like people like John Wayne or Sylvester Stallone, so on and so forth. And now um, that we don't have to rely on that representation, you know what I mean? That we do have our own heroes and we've always had our own heroes. We've always had our own idols. We've already, we've always had our own icons to look up to, but this is the first time that those who identify as white are, I would say, are forced to see um, examples or identify with people that don't look like them or look at people who don't look like them as the hero and their minds are short circuiting. Right. Yeah. Because of the fact that they, and I'm, and I'm sure when you put this podcast out, people are going to be like, how dare you say this? And I'm like, prove me wrong. <laughs> no, you it's a hundred percent true. It's a hundred percent true because you have, and this is actually, it, it, there's a great example of this because uh, Brian Michael Bendis, people don't like a lot of his writing, which is fine, whatever. But like he created Miles Morales. He created Miles Morales right. because he adopted a little black boy. And he right. said, I thought it was ridiculous. I'm paraphrasing here. But he said basically something along the lines of, I found it ridiculous that he had nothing. He had no character that I was writing that looked like him. And that he could relate to directly. And I and, and people are yeah, like the exact point you said, people have brought that up before. They're like, oh well, like, you know, black people read Spider Man and they 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 associate a Spider Man and Superman and all these other characters. I'm like, right, but there is something fundamentally different about seeing someone who looks just like you be the hero, be the good guy. Be like cause less spade a spade, we've painted black people as the criminals in this country through media for forty years. More than 40. Like, like, <laughs> like I, I just mean like it's in popular, like popular media. Like when you have black characters, right. a lot of times they're okay. in jail, they're drug in dealers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll put this in. Our yeah. In our lifetimes, okay. like for, for, for like the 36 years that I've been alive, black heroes on, on, on a, on a, in a situation that it wasn't a black show or a black network. Like, uh, I loved UPN. I'm, I'm like, I grew up on that shit. <laughs> like, uh, it, it it just wasn't there. When black people show up, they are the criminal. They are under investigation. They are suspected. Even if they turn out to not have done it, you know, the whole episode or the whole movie, they're under suspicion and they are treated as a criminal. And even if the point is, oh, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover kind of thing, you've just spent this whole movie judging a book by its cover. Judging that book. Yeah. And so to, to have someone that looks exactly like you, like I don't read, like, let me rephrase that. I haven't read a lot of Valiant books. I like, uh, I read the first volume of EXO. It was really good. But me seeing the character of Faith, um, who is a fat woman as a superhero, mm -hmm. I, you know, mm -hmm. I felt a type of way. I'm a fat dude. And seeing that, it, it felt a type of way. Like, now, I do I, I want a shit ton of fat superheroes? No, because I think it's not practical. If you have physical powers, I think you're going to lose weight, like if you, even if you are fat. Uh, uh, right. But like if you have mental abilities, like I know if I had telepathy and telekinesis, I probably would gain weight because I do a lot less shit. I'd, I'd, I'd fly around instead of walking, you know, like <laughs> if I could do it, you know, I'm kind of lazy sometimes. So like <laughs> so I feel like a person has like, that kind of power could stay fat. And that makes sense to me. So like. 
but you still get a different about, feeling about it. You still get a different yeah, feeling about it. Thor or, or, or like thick, you know, I want to call thick Thor in Endgame and whatnot. Yeah. Like I love, I loved like when the final battle came. Yeah. It wasn't like it was, he wasn't smelt Thor anymore. He still had the gut yeah. and he was like, but he was ready to do this. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, That's what's up. yeah. Exactly. Like anybody, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Bro, you know what I'm saying? And and that's and that's the whole point of it. It's like anybody can be a hero. So why are you trying to shit on people who want to see heroes that look like them? The world does not revolve around you. You know? Even with the the books that, you know, with the books that I make, right? Um, you know, I love the worlds that I've created. You know, I would, you know, I would love for as many people as possible to read my work. But at the same time, I know that I'm one of many, right? And not everybody's going to read my shit. And that's fine. I'm not upset by that. Because you're a grown man and you're an adult. You can have these thoughts like independent of just like what's, what's in it for me. Right. Like, like, I mean, you know, don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. I want to get paid. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I want to, I want to, you know, right. expand right. My, my IP. Um, but at the same time, I do understand, like, I've, this is my point of view. And I'm sharing my point of view. And I'm not trying to force my point of view on anyone. Right. I hope that enough people like my point of view that they keep buying my books right and things of that nature right and i do know that as a you know as a black man of liberian and of african-american descent i have a certain viewpoint i look at the world a certain way i um depict that world in a certain way but my depiction of it is not the end-all, be-all definition of blackness, for example, right? There are other, there are plenty of other um, images and depictions and viewpoints that we need to see and hear because that's what diversity is all about, right? Right. At the same time, yeah, we need to see more Latino voices, you know, creating work um, with intention, you know what I mean? We need to see more different types of voices creating work of intention, which is not just, you know, you like read my shit because I'm a Latin writer or a Latin creator or read my shit because, right. you know, I'm a sexual creator. No, it's like read my shit because it's good. My viewpoint is going to help inform this story, give it more breadth and depth and weight, you know what I mean? Right. And resonance, right? Hopefully to it, you know? Um, but it's like, no, I'm not going to shit on you know, other people's depictions. Like, you know, with all of these people, comics gate talk about, oh, it's forced diversity. We're being threatened, blah, blah, blah. Like, get the fuck out of here. It's like Captain America is still Steve Rogers. That man is still Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? Superman is still Clark Kent, right? Although, you're, although you're- I really, really want a Val Zod, like animated series, or because that shit was like Earth Two was fucking great. Earth <laughs> Two was a fascinating. Earth Two was a very fascinating um, experiment. That was a fascinating story experiment. 
Um, I think Earth 2, Earth 2 was one of those books that I was like, this is interesting. Because they, they, they just pushed, they pushed kind of every envelope. They were like, all right, Green Lantern's gay and, and Hawkwoman's white or black rather. And like. And the thing about Green, my, my, my issue with Green Lantern being gay, I said this on another panel. It was like he was kind of being gay for pay. It really was. Uh, it was uh, uh, um, incidental. Um, yeah, it was because nothing, nothing right. about him being gay was was uh, story driving. Uh, right, right. It was right. like the thing Fair. that happened at the beginning. He was being proposed to or proposing or whatever, and then and then he and his, and, and his, his man dies, and then he at some point comes back as a, a, a entity. And I'm like, well, that that's nothing. Nothing about like it was very brief, and it was kind of like the lightest way to do that without having to deal with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But with that being said, I mean, just the, the story itself was intriguing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, like I like the idea of, of Helena coming back and becoming Batman to like, like being a female Batman to like maintain the, the message and the concept of it. And then finally, right. like coming out as a Batwoman. like very, it was right. just very, very interesting. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a was, big fan of it. It was it was interesting. Like I would say, honestly, Earth Two was kind of like it felt like the Wildstorm version of the DC universe. Yes, yes, that's a great dude. I love so like I love the Wildstorm universe. I hated what they did with like integrating the New Fifty Two shit. I didn't right. like the Stormwatch book was the only book that was decent, and even then, because it was kind of like beholden to oh, there's a Justice League and all this other shit, it didn't really feel oh, right. And Warren Ellis hopped on and slowly transformed the Stormwatch into the Authority. That was dope. That was perfect. You know, so um, but 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 definitely, yeah. Earth Two was like the Wild Storm DCU. Like even with the whole notion of like. The world coming to the end and finding a new world. How they ended the you know Wildstorm universe. That was kind of like that was, was kind of like the same. It, it was kind of the, the 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 shittiest crossover, which was the was a continuum or whatever the hell is called. Uh, like whatever with that giant with that giant brainiac robot, uh, where they brought in all the uh, whatever convergence convergence. That's yeah, the that one. Bull. Convergence was so <laughs> shitty. Bull. But like, as it, it's if, it, if you just treat it as a plot device to get you to the next volume of Earth Two, like it's not that bad. <laughs> it was just like a big long ass plot device. Ooh, that was trash. Woo! God, it was so bad. I was just like, everybody just wanted to write these like golden eras of DC without having to just write an independent book. Right. Right. Um, and and actually, you know, when you when you boil it down to when you when you boil it all down, it's actually the biggest problem right now that people are lamenting <clears throat> about the corporate two, as I like to call them. You know, they want to blame it on diversity, they want to blame it on this, they want to blame it on that, but the fact of the matter is, is that I call them the corporate two for a reason. Now, they are part of larger corporate entities, which are Warner Brothers and Disney. They, they're, there to right? make, they're there to make money. They are there. They are literally there to make money. Um, and on top of that, um, being the corporate two, they have <clears throat> enough intellectual property to exploit. 
in different media um, from now till kingdom come. Yeah. Right. Like, to be honest with you, the best storytelling that's Marvel based has been the films. It wow. hasn't been the comic hasn't been the comic for a minute. Are right? you not reading Dawn of X? Um, I actually actually I read Dawn of X and I read Powers of X. And those two books those two books were so brilliant. I said that after after reading those two series, I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna read X Men again for another ten years. Because what happened was with those teams, you know, with Hickman and Pepe Larraz and yeah, uh, and, yeah. And, House and of X, House of X and Powers of X was a brilliantly executed relaunch. That whole crew gave me straight up Chris Claremont, John Byrne, Terry Austin, Tom Orishowski, Glennis Oliver vibes. Like that gave me the vibe of when the X Men became the X Men. Yeah, and I knew that after I read those two series, I am not going to feel that vibe from X Men books for a while. So, you know, I'll be honest with you, though, the books themselves, they're all still under that. Like, it's still continuing that whole storyline. It's still continuing everything. I I totally get that. I totally get that. And I totally understand that. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying that where the books have gone right now are trash at all because of the fact, simply because of the fact I haven't read them. So, yeah, I'm not going to say shit. I'm not going to say shit about anything that I don't know about. Right. But what I do know is that in terms of just that first of true creativity, of truly taking that concept, flipping it on its ear, and taking it to the next level, I knew that that was a lightning in the bottle that we will not see in a con- on a consistent basis in the corporate two for a long time. I'll be honest with you, though, you're 100% right as far as the corporation aspect of it. I see it happening. I just I just read um, X Factor number one. So they launched a new X Factor book. It Like I said, it's all still set. It's on Krakoa. It's all it's all still following that storyline. It's still Hickman is still piloting the ship. Right. But you can see that there is that corporate arm reaching down and saying, hey, we need another X book. Hey, we need another X book, because what happened was. We had uh, Fallen Angels, which was very interesting, but it had uh, Laura, X-23, in there. But then when she shows up in an issue of X-Men, she's like, I'm going by Wolverine. And Logan's like, that's, you know, that's what's up. Kind of like, we're going to share the name, no big deal. But then they they send her into this thing where she disappears for a while. What's happened is that there is a great, grander story. Like, I can see it. But I can also see the corporate arm saying, yo, we need another X book. We need like pipe more money out of this, like pull more money out of it. So then some of these books are happening before other books like X Factor. The way I'm reading it is happening right before all these other books because they're like setting the rules for the resurrection process. Spoiler warning, if you haven't read <laughs> the House of X. Uh yeah, the resurrection if protocol. Read- they like are setting the resurrection protocol during the X Force book, like at the because uh, Aurora dies at the beginning, and Northstar shows up and he's like, "Yo, bring my bring my sister back. She's dead." And they're like, "Well, you you need to like kind of prove that she's dead because you know we we're, we're like setting up these rules because otherwise we're just gonna be bringing back people that are alive." And yeah, and then so like to me and I was but I was like, wait, I read all these rules in House of X, like all this already 
happened. Like, so to me, I'm like, oh, this happens beforehand because then we're setting up things. Like, things are, he's playing like a weird, like, dislocated Jenga because I'm betting corporate is like, hey, put out another X book because they're selling. Put out another X book because, because like, they also put out Hellions, which is kind of weird. It's a weird book. But like, it, they've, they're putting out all these books to just like hit all the things that people want to see. But at the same time, like none of yeah. it's lining up exactly right. You know, and and that's uh, yeah, and and that's that's exactly what hap- what's what's happening right now. And so you know, with comics, especially in the U.S., where people you know they think comic books are pretty much either DC or Marvel, and that's where their endpoint of what comic books are. They're seeing this stuff and they're like. Oh, the industry's going to shit. Oh, the industry's dying. Oh, the industry's right. doing this, this, and the third. Um, again, from the business standpoint of it, if you look at comics as an art form, uh, the art form of comics is just—it's still—it's growing exponentially. It's flourishing. I think it's—I think it's in the best position it's been ever. It's literally flourishing, and it's the reason why it's flourishing is because. Um, those gate those gatekeepers um, are irrelevant. Yeah. Like 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 quite simply, it's quite simply this, right? And this is the same thing Dennis Cohen told me in 1994 when I first started trying to break into the industry, and um, the first place I went to was Milestone. Mm. And he looked at my portfolio, and. Um, the beginning I had some Batman pages and then I had some icon pages and then I had some Black Panther pages. And then the last three pages were my own stuff. He looked at the portfolio, concentrated on those last three pages, and he was like, You wanna make your own comics, don't you? Now in my mind I was like, How the fuck are you gonna look into my soul like that? But, <laughs> you know, and I was like, Yeah, you know, I do but, you know, I feel like I have to work for the big two before I get enough chops to do my own thing. And he was like, no, if you want to make comics, just make comics. And this is and this is well before. I mean, this is 94. This is before the Internet becomes a thing. This is before print on demand. This right. is before Kickstarter. This is before all of that. Right. But, you know, he was like straight up. He's like, if you want to make comics, make comics. It's like now, if you want to work for us, these are the things that you need to work on. This, this, that, and the third. He told me what I needed to work on, gave me his card, so on and so forth. So, you know, so I had uh, cats from Milestone mentoring me, right? Right. You know, I had the creators of Tribe, they mentored me, you know, That's those awesome. sorts of things. But, you know, it was right. My whole goal um, in this game was to make my own comics. And, you know, at a certain point after doing an independent title, uh, you know, which we're re-releasing this month because it's time for it. And um, if we want to talk about... Huh? Re-releasing? Is that... What do you mean really? really? Uh, uh, re- uh, the re-releasing of... Yeah, this is your podcast. People will know about it. So we're going to catch heat for this too. That's cool. Um, we're re-releasing uh, Jigaboo Devil. The Devils oh. Do. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the I saw the post about that. This was actually the book that began my career. And I started off my car my career working on an extremely radical book. 
a book whose title alone, you know, gets people all riled up and people feeling righteous. It's like, there's, how dare you? There's feelings you know, about that word. Jigaboo devil. And then I'm like, how dare you listen to NWA's Fuck the Police? It's the same motherfucking thing. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's the same motherfucking thing. It's the same um, discourse. You know what I mean? Uh, it's about revolution. It's black nationalist as hell. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, the title, it's funny, the title scares people and the title wants, you know, people to virtue signal and all that shit and talk about how righteous they are and they never have cracked open the book at all, right? Uh, but they think that they know what it's all about. Right. And going back to what um, Dennis Cohen said to me, the beautiful thing about owning your own comic book company is you can put out whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, like it's straight up a situation where, um, and this is sort of like, you know, a response to the comic book haters and, you know, the creators and the fans and everybody that wants the virtue signal and talk about, like, how you can't do a thing. Like, when it comes to my company, I'm Ozzy Mendias with this shit. It's like, I'll tell you that I've done this shit 30 minutes after I've done it. So... You know, when people are like, you should change the name. I'm like, nope, the name has been around since 1996. So that shit ain't changing. Right. Next. <laughs> like, like you, like, like you act as if you have, you act as if you have a say in what I do. That's, and that's but, exactly this. Honestly, that's exactly why I, I chose a long time ago. Like when, when, when it is time for my book to come out, it's going to come out on my time and on, on my dime. Because if I go to image, I read their, I read their whole submission guidelines, their whole shit. And it was basically, they have the right to tell you to rename a book. And I was like, mm, I'm pretty set on how this is going to go. Like, this is how it's going to go. So for me to like basically come in for you just to like finish it off for me, you know, put the bow on it. And then you're going to be like, I don't like this box. Mm, that's it's already in the box. Like yeah, the, the box is already <laughs> done. And and when I say that, and especially with uh, JBD, um, you know, when I say things like that, you know, again, uh, the person who does not know my career or the person who wants to make some clout points, they'll say, well, you know, well, you know, you're this and that doing Jigaboo Double. It's like, but you don't know the intention of yep. the shit that I do. And if you read my other work, you would know that I don't fuck around right. with, with this. What's funny, right? so I, I read the first Horseman volume, shit, 14 years ago at this point? A long fucking time ago. Uh, when we first um, met, when we first met, I was at the Illinois Institute of Art in Schaumburg, which they're tearing down, down that building, which I think is funny. Yeah, um, yeah I just I read Yeah. And that's when I read it. I was introduced to you through my ex, my girlfriend at the time, my ex, uh, who ha had been one of your students. And I thought it was just kind of like a whole, like very uh, 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 serendipitous situation where like, I'm, I'm a big fan of comic books. I'm a big fan of indie comic books. So she was like, oh, one of my teachers made a comic book. And my initial thought was just like, oh, you know, people make comic books. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and then she would like, she told me about it. And I was like, yo, that sounds really dope. Like, I'm really interested. And 
what's funny is I read it back then. I have it still. It's upstairs and it's in, it's in bagged and boarded and sep- You know, I got I got the signature back then, and they're they're I, I got them I got them kept. You know, they're they're close to my heart. Um, when I read them, I don't think I was honestly. I don't think I was mentally like capable of really fully realizing them. I. Wow. I, I think back and I remember my reaction being like, it felt incomplete. It felt like I didn't know enough. And it was one of those things where like I reread it once and I still didn't get it. And I, I'm, to be very honest and very frank, I haven't touched them since. Okay. You, re- you, recently, you recently sold uh, on a big special fucking awesome deal through, uh, through drive-thru comics. Like the whole thing, the whole collection. I picked that up. And I'm going to be working through that very shortly. Uh, but, like, I wanted to read it, and I wanted to read it with my mind today and my mentality today. Because, like, I remember – I've watched certain things. I remember watching certain movies and seeing certain things happen from, you know, my mind when it was then. And I remember not understanding shit. I remember watching shit and not getting it. Just, like, my my head not being there. I watched – now, people uh, uh, talk about this movie a lot. Um Oh my god, I can't remember the name. Uh, Marlon Wayans was in it. Is movie about drugs? Um, uh, 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 Requiem of a Dream. Thank you. Yes, thank it's you. like I knew you were gonna know because like it's very like it's a, people talk about that movie a lot because it it, it has it resonates with people. Uh, and I, the literally the one time I tried watching it, I passed out. Like my head wasn't there. You know, I was I must have been tired. Um, you know, I just wasn't there. So. It's something that, like, I know that going back to it, I'm going to be looking at it with essentially fresh eyes because I don't know what's like. I I didn't know enough then, so now I'm very like I'm excited now. I actually have them all downloaded on my computer. I'm ready to read them. Uh, <laughs> so like I'm I'm going to be reading them kind of all as one, which to me like also like kind of works into my completionist because I love reading the whole thing. So like as much yeah. of a story as exists, I want to read it. Um, yeah. So I'm just super excited to just like read that whole thing. But I just. It's a very interesting thing, like to 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 see that you're bringing back this thing from the from the '90s. That I mean, I'll be honest. When I saw the title, and I know you, like I mean, I don't know you know you, but like I know you pretty well. To be like, I don't think this man's a fucking asshole for naming this. So like, I read it, but even knowing you, I was like, okay, that's a, that's a okay, like that's a word. Like I don't even know if I could say that word. Like, so like, like, I, like, I, it's a, like, I don't even know if it would be appropriate for me to talk about this book. So like, that's why you call him JBD, you know, right. that's why, you know, and I didn't create the character, but I do feel very much a kinship with the character. And, um, Oh, interesting. Uh, what do you, so yeah, like, we work with somebody creator, else or yeah, the creator and the writer of the book uh, is Lamoris Richmond. Okay. Um, yeah, he's, like I said, it was my first work. He was the first cat that gave me a gig working on jbd um and that's where i worked out all you know like the majority of my storytelling kinks and whatnot and you know even in the discussion of you know the character's name jigaboo devil um you know we also refer to him as jbd for people who just like nwa (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) that's fair that's fair right 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 because nobody nobody wants to talk say the full name of nwa that's why we call him nwa right it's the same thing with um jbd you know um but uh 
but but yeah, it's like um, you know, this is uh, it's uh, I was actually rereading that stuff again, the the material again, um, as I was you know uh, working on the package, whatnot, and. You know, I called up Lamoris and I told him, like, yo, dude, this, this stuff is timeless, right? Um, people were, it's interesting because people were offended slash scared um, by the name in 96. You know what I mean? Right. Really in 96. Um, and the book really didn't go anywhere because of that fear, right? And even... You know, when I decided to take it under the Grio stable, um, I really didn't promote that project um, because, again, of the quote unquote fear. You know, it was like at that point, you know, I became Mr. You know, the horseman, and it's like, okay, he's Mr. Afrofuturism, and, you know, this kind of thing. It's like, all right, cool, you know? Um, but especially with, uh, the George Floyd case, especially with, with what's happening now with Black Lives Matter, um, especially, you know, the whole notion of you have to make your voice heard. Um, JBD is that voice. I mean, the horseman is is my voice as well. But, um, but JBD is that angry, incendiary, revolutionary book that needs to be out there and needs to be read and we do go places that a lot of these cats who consider themselves very righteous and conscious we go to those places that they don't go um in this story right um you know we deal with uh you know the realized fantasy of having um an independent black nation within the united in the united states you know it's a story that is like the dream of the black nationalist but it is also showing how the sausage was made in that dream and how that dream can be very precarious and how it could be taken away um if you don't fight to protect it right right so so that's what, you know, that's what JBD is all about. Um, I appreciate you, you know, when you talk about the horseman, you said you read it, you know, you don't, you didn't quite get it. You read it again. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, um, and you feel like it's, you know, I, uh, I know there's more to it. Like I, it's one of those things where I like, I'm reading, I know there's more to it. So I know that my first read and my first impression is not going to be, it's not going to be sufficient realistically. Like it's just not. I, I I've read I've read other books that I know have meaning, and I look at it and I'm like I'm seeing the surface I'm 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 like I'm missing something so I'll go back to it. Um, same thing with movies you know yeah. certain movie like certain things will hit you the first time like for instance I always go back to this example but like uh, Schindler's List uh, if you didn't get that the first time you got other shit to worry about uh, because that's a straightforward and that to me. I got everything out of it. I'm never going to watch that movie again. Like, quite honestly, like I have no interest in watching that movie again because I got all of it. I got all of it. And it, it's it, it's something that is it's the, the way it's told is very in your face and 
I almost feel like there's not that you don't need to think about it a lot, but I think that's the point. Right. The point is that it's presenting right. essentially these are just essentially they're just the facts. This is what happened, motherfuckers. Like this is the shit, the horrible, horrible shit right. that happened. Like, you know, I, I watched um I watched a, a, a documentary on Tulsa and it's regardless of anything else, just the facts are ridiculous. Right. And, and, and if you, if you like watch something like that or read, read about Tulsa and you don't get what it's, what happened there, you have bigger shit to worry about. You have, you, your worldview is fucked. Like, so that's why right. I think when I, when I read something that I know has intent and I'm not getting it, I, I need to take a second look at it. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, and uh, I, I, I agree with you um, on all those points. And I'm just, I'm happy to hear that, you know, that you feel with the horseman that there is more to be discovered because there is. Um, right, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I, I mean, know. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, actually, me. part of, you know, part of the horseman, um, I think part of the appeal of the horseman is that um, people have gone on my journey of, um, you know, of really fleshing out the world and fleshing out the universe. Um, basically, what happened was that um, I did not wait for all of the rules of my universe to be set in stone before I put out the first issue. Um, I had the I had the general idea. I had the general rules, right? Um, the basics of it. But um, I also wanted to give my space or I wanted to give the opportunity um, for my world to grow. And actually, um, it's with the interaction of some people helped me grow that world. Uh, at a, when I began, you know, it was a little, it was a little rigid. You know, it was like, okay, it was just going to be those seven, and the, you know, and the deities, and and that's it. But what I realized is that I actually wrote into the first miniseries. I wrote the seed to expand the world, um, especially um, with issue two, with the moment in issue two, right? Right. That moment, that moment when I came back to working on the horseman again and my mind changed, I'm like, well, how do I bring all this stuff in there? Oh, I already wrote that shit up in there, you know what I mean? And so that allowed me to, to expand on what is now the the horseman universe like when i got done doing mythos that book the official handbook like i looked at all that stuff i'm like oh shit fucked around and created a whole superhero universe <laughs> like and i'm like this is what it's like you know um this is how this is how those things happen it doesn't happen right away it doesn't happen all at once right um, for then, you know, you to go on and just plug these things in the world, right? right. It happens in real time. Like, yeah. the Marvel Universe built itself out in real time, right? 
Yeah, if you, if you went back and told Stan Lee that there was going to be a, a, a young Arab Muslim woman that was going to be Ms. Marvel, he his fucking had a heart attack. <laughs> when it came to 63, even the whole notion of Ms. Marvel was like, what are you talking about? Right. Ms. Marvel? I mean, right. you know, it's a Spider-Man. But, you know, but that, that universe grew organically. You know, DC is different because DC is a company whose multiverse grew from acquisition. That's true. Yeah. This is what I mean. They bought a bunch of shit. Like DC's multiverse exists because they bought a lot of comic book characters. That's very true. Some of their most interesting characters came out of that. Yeah. I mean, Fawcett Comics, you've got Shazam, right? Uh, Charlton Comics, you've got Captain Adam, you got The Question, you've got Blue Beetle, you know, which had been transmogrified and remixed by Alan Moore to become, you know, uh, characters in Watchmen. They, yeah, they were, they were, it was originally supposed to just be a Charlton book. But then, you know, DC was like, yo, we want to make more money off these characters than just this one, um, you know, this, this one miniseries. Right. So, you know, so when it, so when it comes to uh, the Horseman universe, the new mythology, as I call it, you know, um, at this point, with these, you know, five big books in there, um, yeah, at this point, you've got the universe, and you've got the rules, and the characters, and also the deeper meaning of it, you know? So so when you read through it again, as you go through it again, you know what I mean? I think, um, yeah, I think, I hope that you will, I hope that you will still have questions but I also hope that, you know, the major questions are like the deeper underlying thing of how it all gets started. I hope that's made clear to you. And at which point, you know, when you get that, you're like, word, I want more, right? Because there's there's more Horseman stuff coming. I'm just busy with other projects right now, that's- which, uh, which actually allows me to take a mental break. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's if you do anything, any one thing for a long time, you're gonna you get into a rut. So having right. that, having that break makes sense. Are you right, are you right. working on anything that is uh, that is uh, public knowledge, or is it gonna be stuff that people are gonna be able to pick up? Well, um, well, it's a couple things. Number one, um, I'm in the midst of finishing up actually an illustrated novel. Okay. Uh, called the court uh, for another company called uh, Rogue Media, and uh, I'm actually—it's funny—I'm actually the writer and the artist in designing that whole book too. So we'll be starting a Kickstarter for that uh, come September. That's cool. Um, right. You know, right? Yeah. Right now, I'm literally at the stage where I'm just drawing the illustrations in there. Um, at the same time. It's another thing that's interesting about this whole pandemic slash um, social upheaval right now is that all of a sudden people want to talk with me and people want to work with me. So, um, you know, there are a, number, a couple of other things I'm doing. I'm going to be part of um, this anthology called Modern Mythology. Uh, okay. Uh, that's going to start, I believe, in um, around December. Um uh, in addition to that, you know, I'm just doing uh, various speaking engagements, kind of like this one right <laughs> here. 
you know, uh, freelancing, doing design work, you know, logo design work, character design work. Um, you know, we just actually did a, basically a Grio Enterprises commercial for uh, the Detroit Electronic Music Conference that's sponsored by uh, Charivari, which is happening right now online uh, for free. No, um, until August 15th, you know, a uh, fantastic lineup of Detroit DJs, Detroit techno. You know, that's the other, that's my other heart, which is music. I gotta, I gotta send uh, that, I gotta send that information to a couple of my friends. They're, they're really in, they're DJs themselves. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so real shit. So, you know, um, I'm just busy, you know, busy still doing the work, also still teaching, you know, cause that's part of my career as well. How is that, um, how is that working out for you as far as, I mean, like obviously remote teaching is a very different situation. How is that, you know, have, have you, have there been any kind of crazy challenges or has it been a more, cause you're, you're, you're a technological person to begin with. I mean, I think, so I think maybe mm. it, was it a little easier for you than it might've been for someone else? <laughs> um, yeah, the transition, the transition hasn't been that hard, you know? Um, I do prefer, of course, you know, I do prefer being in the class with my students um, to create more of that connection and more of that bond. For sure. Which I feel, you know, leads to a better learning experience. But um, definitely with the technology right now, with the Zoom, that sort of stuff, it, it, it helps a lot. And I will say this, um, working from home works for me, and it definitely works for people that have multiple things going on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, at, at once, right? So I, I like, feel you. You know, I, I jump down on my breaks. You know, when I'm when I'm doing my day job, I, I jump down on my breaks and I, I'll knock out a quick edit or you know put a few cuts in a video like. Just run back upstairs uh, when break's done. Like, yeah, it, it, it's it's convenient. <laughs> it's very, it's very convenient. Yeah, especially, you know, um, if you believe in the philosophy of Wu Tang Financial and diversify your bonds, meaning having multiple streams of income. It, it, you know, it definitely helps to be in one area, right? So, so yeah. So in terms of uh, the pandemic, you know, as you said. In the beginning of our conversation, same thing with my life. You know, the pandemic really hasn't changed, like my life, or you know, or right. or my hustle. It, if anything, um, it uh, it's kind of like I don't know, increase my workload or right something else, something like that. I'm just busy. <laughs> you know you. what I mean? I feel you. I feel you. I, I, uh, I I've 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 been really this past year really i've been trying to figure out kind of it took me a long time to kind of get on the the page that i needed to be as far as like what i wanted out of life um you know it's it, it it's been like oh i want to make videos even before you know it was uh computers and tech and like our main youtube channel used to be a tech channel like we used to review tech but like that shit costs money so like you run out of money you run out of shit to review <laughs> so so and, and and it really kind of got monotonous it got boring for me that's when you gotta go to the people and be like, I got this show. And if you just want me your shit, I can talk about your shit <laughs> and I'll give it back to you. you know? I like that's a good that's a good point too. 
but right. you know what? It, it's 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 I've I've had a couple. You know, I've met some people. A, a friend of mine, uh, I met him through that. Like we we were doing tech reviews, and he was like, "Hey, I, I make these." He's a local company, and he he's got, you know, uh, they're they're like mounting systems and all this stuff. Like it's it, it, super cool, dude, and like his shit is top notch, like quality shit. So like I've had those kind of relationships, and it's very cool. It's it's been a very interesting ride. But like this last year, I I was just trying to figure out like what I wanted, and I, I kind of settled on storytelling. Like I want to tell stories. I just like I, it's like my, it, it's like my zen place. Like when I'm telling a story, I'm in it the whole way. Like I'm animated. I'm everywhere. So like I love doing it. But I I you know I was trying to figure out like what is it? Am I gonna write books? Am I write, gonna make comics? Am I gonna make you know movies? And I didn't want to settle. And it was one of those things like I want to I want to do this short film. Like I have an idea for a short film and this is going to be something that I'm going to do as a short film. But then I also have these ideas for comics and I also have these ideas for novels. Like I want to do it all. And I don't you know, and, I, and it kind of came to me that I don't have to settle on one and I don't have to like try to build it out as, you know, like you're doing a novel, you're doing comics, you're doing like you're doing a whole different kind of like a whole lot of different stuff. And. It, it, it like never dawned on me before, like recently that I could just do it all. <laughs> like I could just, Oh, you know, I'm gonna work on a comic book this week. I'm gonna work on a novel next week. I'm gonna make a few videos in between. Like I, I can mm-hmm. do all of that. And, and it still get all of these things out. And actually weirdly, cause I hate my job. Like my, my I do tech support from home. Like it's, <laughs> you know, you deal with people who don't understand simple concepts all day. Like it's very, it's frustrating. And I mean, like I literally to the point where like I was my ang- anger problems and all sorts of shit. Like I, I, I am going to see a therapist and um, it, it, once I came to that realization and I was like, I can just like grab a notebook and write a little thing. It was very much like freeing. Like, I don't have to wait mm-hmm. for this big thing to happen for me to be doing the thing that I want to do. Um, and on top of like storytelling, I also, I'm kind of like the, like, I'm a hype man. Like I love telling people about other people that I know, the people that do cool shit. Um, like I've told people about horsemen a bunch of times, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like my shit. Like if I feel somebody might resonate with somebody, I'd be like, yo, you need to check this out. This is going to be dope for you. So like, I want to, I've been wanting to promote indie for a long time. In fact, like I came up with an idea probably about 10, 15 years ago that, essentially was i don't know if you know like i'm sure you know steam uh the gaming platform it was going to be steam for indie but like just indie and it was gonna be for comics it was gonna be for not like everything and uh you know that's a monumental task and you know i like i think in big so recently i sat down and i was like how can i do this now without having to have a million dollars and 45 coders uh and i came up with the idea of um, kind of a, a blend between wizard, like what wizard used to be, not yeah. wizard, not not wizard in his dying days, but what wizard used to be, and uh, what uh, heavy metal is. Heavy metal does presentations. You know, it's it's just like a ongoing anthology magazine. Like I don't, right. I think they, the only thing they have in there is content. Like I don't think there's any articles or anything like that. They have some articles in there. But it's um yeah like yeah heavy like heavy metal <laughs> heavy metal is kind of like the Playboy of comics you know <laughs> in a sense um but no they definitely have the articles they definitely have the comics they definitely have like the galleries and whatnot actually the 
the Playboy model was the model that I used for the four pages, 16 bars anthology series as well, you know, but just again, doing that for uh, creators of color. But I'm loving everything that you're, you're saying because get it. And that's actually the point, right? So many people, they get caught up in the delivery system. Yep. Of what they do, as opposed to what they really want to do, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, um, Rio Enterprises uh, is its name and its mission and its mission statement. You know, Rio Enterprises. We tell good stories. We tell great stories. We're storytellers, right? There are many different ways you could tell a story. When I do example if i write if i write an article for my blog right I'm telling a story right if i'm doing a mix for the latest episode of my podcast ghetto of the mind where that's all music you know i'm djing a narrative right like i say that though the mind is um you know each episode is like a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist you know okay if i i like that yeah yeah, it's like if I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing my comic book stuff, I'm doing my comic book stuff. But at the same time, you know, I could flip it and, you know, I write for role playing games and stuff like that. I've written for that, you know, um, if I get a chance to do a music video or the, you know, the rare times that I have, you know, that's telling stories, even when I'm designing for other clients, you know, like graphic design is all about visual communication is all about telling the story right right so you know at the end of the day what you said you know at the core that's your intent is to be a storyteller right so no matter what mechanism you're using you're telling stories so it's like it's like hearing you say that it's like yeah that's that's actually the philosophy that i really understood and came upon during this pandemic, right? Like a lot of people, you gotta understand that most people's identities are tied up in what they do, yeah, not who they are, yeah, right, a hundred percent. And so, yeah, and so with these people that are not working right now or having to stay home, you know, they never had that opportunity to figure out who the fuck they were outside of their gig. I was lucky enough. To realize that I wanted my gig, I, I, re, I was lucky enough to realize that at an early age, that who I am at my heart and at my core could become my gig. And so, at this stage of the game, again, I'm not rolling in dough, right? But ultimately, if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's like. Money don't mean shit. That that is a, you, you, that you, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's it's very true. It's a hundred percent true. Money money's not fucking dick shit. Because guess what happened? People would the the most money in the world when when there was no toilet paper to buy, when there was no fucking cleaning shit to buy, you couldn't buy it. You could have all the money, you can't buy it. It ain't there. So it doesn't matter. Money doesn't mean shit. You're right. Um, it it right. it it it. it, it takes me to kind of go back to our original subject that we were talking about is kind of the social structure of America. Um, 
it, what you just said is a perfect phrasing for, for an idea that, that I, I kind of happened upon. Um, you know, th- there is the, the, the analogy of the, the race, right? If we all line up, if everybody lines up to run a race, but then you step forward for everything that you have and everything you don't have to deal with. You know, I never had to, you know, I've been stopped by a cop on the street and he had a conversation with me and I went on about my day. And that would have been a completely different universe if I would have been a black man. And I know that, and I'm aware of that, but a lot of people aren't. But it's like, you, you do that, you know, you step ahead if you've never had to worry about randomly being stopped by a police officer. You step ahead for all these things, and then you say, all right, now, now everybody run this same race. And obviously, people are in different positions. I, I realize that the, the fallacy of the quote-unquote American dream is that we're all running the same fucking race. Everybody's trying to be a millionaire. Everybody's, everybody's going for that cash. But there are, mm-hmm. we could all be running different races. Or, or even if you call it, if it's the same race of life, we don't all need mm-hmm. that million. We don't all need that million. It's a, it's a fun thing to dream yeah. about. But like, I'm, I know, like I'm, I'm doing all right. I make about 50. I'm doing all right. I'm comfortable. Like I'm, if I never made another dollar more, I'd still be comfortable. But actually, that that was the original American dream, right? You know, in the American dream, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of that happiness, not pursuit says, of fucking money. Yeah, exactly, not the pursuit of dollars, right? And and that's exactly it. I mean, again, we need the resources to survive, and course, we like to be course. comfortable, right? But um. What, you know, as as we're talking back and forth, yeah, what I realized is like in terms of career, you know, in terms of what I want to do, it's like I'm doing it. I've been doing it for a long time. Ups and downs, you know. Of course. Side, like, there is, this is what I want to do. I would not be happy doing anything else. And to have that ability and to realize that and to manifest that, you know, for me, I realized, like, that's true wealth, right? Like, like for me, you know, that's true wealth. Also, what's true wealth um, are the people that I have around me. You know what I mean? Like, my squad. That's, that's, where, that's where I feel like I'm the richest man in the world. You know what I mean? And when I talk about my squad, it's like I talk about my family, I talk about my friend family, talk about like my, my friend friends. <laughs> you know right, what I'm right. saying? Um, you know, like the colleagues who, you know, who honestly rock with me, right? Like I, that's where I realize, you know, that's where my true wealth lies, right? And 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 no one can take that away from me. You know, and and it is extremely empowering to have this, um, you know, this this publishing entity entity that through I mean, literally, it's through the sheer force of will that um, Grio Enterprises still exists today. Because if, you know, I were basing my success on how much money I made from the company and my books, (laughs) would have given up a long time ago i feel you but if i did give, yeah but if i did give up a long time ago then 
I would not be in the position that I'm in right now, like talking to you, you know, on a podcast or, you know, having my books be um, in, you know, a TV show coming on Amazon Prime um, in the fall and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I like that. That's so, nice little flex there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I mean, what show is that? No, no. What show is that? I, I, I'll be honest. I have Amazon Prime, but I watch so few shows on there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's uh, going to be on. Um, the show's called Utopia, which okay. is going to be on Amazon Prime, um, in the fall, and it's a U.S. remake of a British show. As um, many are. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's actually a show about comic books, and oh, that's awesome. My, and 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 uh, yeah, the Horseman books are going to be a part of it. There's a. Uh, there's going to be a scene at a convention where you're actually going to see a horseman booth. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. And, uh, on the show and stuff like that. But, you know, but those are, you know, those are the things that happen um, because I put the shit out there. Right. And because, like, you know, people feel the intention of of the work that I do. So... Yeah, so, you know, yeah, I like, you know, like, I appreciate where I am right now. And it just, um, you know, it just tells me, you know, keep it moving. You know what I mean? Keep pushing forward. I, th- I think a lot of people um, confuse that feeling with that, like, appreciating where you are, appreciating what you have. I think a lot of people have confused that with settling. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't, like, that is you've accepted that this is the end or this is what you're going to have. And, but like your, your last sentence there, it's, it's the, it's the impetus to keep moving. It's, it's, this is the thing that keeps like, keep doing the thing because you're, you're here now. Where could you be if you keep doing it? Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's, that's, and that's a, that's a beautiful way to end a, end a conversation. Uh, we've been at this for about four hours and I appreciate your time. I appreciate your time more than I can, more, more than I can verbalize. I've, I've really, uh, honestly, I, I missed you. I haven't seen you in ages. Like last time we saw each other was at a convention, you know, we, we chatted up for a minute, but we all had other stuff, you know, stuff going on. So like, I I appreciate your time and just having a a chance to chit chat with you here. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Was this live? Like, uh, this was this not live. live. You know, honestly, this was not a live show. I didn't want to put it live because I just wanted to hang out with you. Uh, and I didn't want to have to deal with anybody commentating. Uh, you know, I, I just we, we last couple we did were alive and uh, we, we did have a really lively conversation with the comments. So that was very that was super fun. Uh, but I just mm-hmm. honestly, I just wanted to hang out with you for a while and just have a good conversation. So word up, word up. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thank you. Yo, let me know when this. uh when it's gonna be to it's, it's gonna be going up Sunday. It'll be on. Uh, it's, it goes up on YouTube. It goes up on our on our website, and then it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, all that stuff. Cool, cool. Just send me the links, and I'll promote that joint. All well, right. Dude, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Thank you for I'm, thank you for your time, man. Thank you for hanging out. I, like all the creative stuff you do. I, real quick, I just want to ask. Uh, you said the, the the JBD was going to be released re released this month. Is that the the Devils do? Is that the current version that's on amazon or is there a different version coming out um you know, I actually i actually updated i've updated all the stuff so if okay. you go to amazon you get it from amazon you get the print um book right now from amazon um i'm just waiting for the print copy of the trade uh, my um my proof copy from uh 
drive through comics so you can get it from there i'll be um, and like then, a little i'm a little salty i just bought a a, a physical book from drive through um and it was like it had like the cuts weren't straight like it had white still on the cuts it was supposed to be a black it was weird it was weird yeah with with them with them i make sure like with with drive through i'm glad that they have the printing option now um and definitely uh with drive through what's nice is um, the owner of one of the heads one of the heads of drive through has been like a big fan and a big um and a big advocate for grio so we've had conversations so even when i get my proofs back i'm like yo i need my proof to look like somebody who's actually buying a book so i need to make sure that that shit was on point right like, i need to make sure like you know like like the, the shit is cut right that you're using the right paper right you know what i mean and i'm glad that i know these things to tell these things to this right 100 percent. yeah so um so they've been stepping up the plate right um if you want to like like i said you want to get a good print copy yeah definitely go to amazon like either tonight or tomorrow i'm gonna have my buttons readjusted um so that you know people can go and order the book in those different spaces but um if you go on griotenterprises.com right now like one of the things that i'm doing because my birthday's on the 17th i'm just saying like people who you know want to show love to this mean old lion for his birthday buy some shit so uh Hell yeah. you know when you go on griotenterprises.com right away. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what you buy. You can buy a book. You can buy a poster or a T-shirt or a button. Like, I got all that shit. Like, just go to the <laughs> website. You know what I mean? Go to the website. Like, click on whatever section. Get whatever you want to get. I've got the bundles, you know, right up in the front page. So, you know, people can get, like, you know, mad books for, like, you know, decent prices and whatnot. So, that's what I have. That's what I have happening. That's <laughs> Why awesome. not? Awesome. I love it. Uh, I I just realized you have art books, and uh, I fucking collect art books. I love art books. I'm a process junkie. Like I love that whole shit. I'm a, I'm a process whore too. Um, and uh, so funny those art books um, are old as hell. Like that book manifesto. I remember. That's been a while. I remember seeing been- that. Yeah, like, like that was me being so cocky in my career. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm old enough to like write a whole book about my experience, and I think it was like up to 2010 at that, you know, hey. tops. I think like in a business, maybe 10 years. But uh, yeah, I look at those books, and I'm like, look at those books, and I look at my blog, and I'm like, mm, maybe it's time for me to like do a real like now that I really now that I really really know some shit. <laughs> it's it's time for me to like really flex on that but you know hey if people still if people still feel the manifesto you know what i mean that that's cool you know people still want that chronicle that's cool uh but uh yeah i'm definitely gonna retool those um in the near future i just need to get done with this other shit first <laughs> go hardcover man go hardcover fucking uh get in touch with uh what the fuck's his face i always forget his name. bart sears bart sears uh their their whole whole company they, they've been putting out like these crazy good uh artist books like i i they just had a buy one get one over the like a couple weekends ago and i was like well shit all right fine like buy one get one it's hard for me to walk away so i bought i have all five now 
and they're just dope. They're dope. Right. Like they're they're you know he had he did Daryl Banks, uh, which like I didn't realize like how much he was a part of like a bunch of different stuff and and like I just really like really interesting cool like cool to see like the background of the like where the art is and where it came from and what like the the original like this is the first project I was on kind of stuff. I was like I love that shit. Got you, got you. And I'm gonna take a look at them. All right. Hell yeah, do man. Because you know what, I'll buy it. I'll buy it day one. I'll be right there. I'll be on that Kickstarter because <laughs> they do. Because uh, you know what, they do. Uh, they do like uh, master editions of stuff. So like you could do like a crazy, crazy uh, 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 horseman like collection and an art book. I'd ride for that shit. shit. I'd ride for it. I'd ride for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'd promote it everywhere. <laughs> word up. Word up. All right, man. Well, listen. Let me. Let me let you go. So I'm gonna try and start this late afternoon evening shit. <laughs> but uh but definitely, man, it's a great convo. Great convo. And please let me know when this is ready to go live, all right? Absolutely, will do. Thanks again, man. Welcome. Thank you. All right. Hi, right, buddy. I'll see you. Peace.